Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. It was a tough one yesterday, and it's a tough one today because I'm in the host chair. We were talking about it yesterday. We were deciding who was going to host. And I looked around, and I said, you know, Paul, he's got a lot of credibility. He works with Xavier. He's big league. I'm like, you know, he's got 5,400 followers on Twitter. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you, Zeke. I look at Reed. Reed, he's been very successful in this field. He, you know, he's, he's the high school football extraordinaire. He does, all, he does all the big events. I look at Jacob. He's the assistant defensive coordinator at Alabama. Best friends with Nick Saban. I look at Casey. Casey knows how literally every single piece of equipment in this room works. I'm like, all right, one of these four guys is going to be able to host this show. Surely. Reed and Paul, they say, you know what, Elliot? No. We're going to go with the biggest clown in the room. Here's your red nose. Here's your floppy shoes. You now have the keys, and now I'm hosting Off the Bench. This is Off the Bench. Welcome in to Off the Bench, presented by UDF. I'm very happy to host. I am not Tom Brenneman. I'm Elliot Rearing. Welcome. Guys, how are we doing? Doing great, Elliot. Now let's go around the room. Yeah, let's go around the room. You saying that you have no credibility is crazy. And I say that with all love and respect, but that's crazy. All right, so here's what's going to happen today. Today's supposed to be No Shtick Wednesday, but all of that now changes because I'm in the host chair. Now it's extra. No Shtick Wednesday. No, it's extra Shtick Wednesday. No Shtick Wednesday returns next week. When I'm in this chair, it's extra Shtick Wednesday. Wow, so there's no more. There's, we're, all, we're doing all Shticks until Jacob leaves because Jacob's last day is Friday. Yeah, that's correct. So Jacob's leaving me. I, I'm going to very much miss Jacob. I, my job is going to get significantly harder without him. But, you know, I, 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 think, I, think, I think right now the vibes are high. The, the, the atmosphere, the chemistry amongst the five of us is the highest it's ever been. And, and it started last night. The vibes can't get lower than last night, Elliot. Well, wow. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> at at the on. point when I left, vibes were low. Okay, but, okay, but we got to start at the beginning. So we started with Two Beer Tuesday. Of course. We went over to the uh, the Muni. What is it called? Municipal Brew Works. Okay, so Municipal Brew Works in Hamilton. It's a great little place. The sun was shining right on my black shirt. It was 115 degrees, but we shared a couple cold ones with the boys. We shared some stories. It was a great time. Great, great chemistry building exercise. And then we said, you know what? We're going to go to a casino in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. And from that moment, the night went from amazing to horrible. Reed, unfortunately, could not be with us. Reed did join us for Two Beer Tuesday, but he, he unfortunately was unable to go to the casino. He's on casino ban right now for himself. He's, on on, on he's going to try to not gamble as much, which I respect. I'm a degenerate. I've been dealing with that. I'm, wait, wait, let me, let me rephrase. I'm a respectable degenerate. So, you know, I, I know what I'm doing a little bit. Responsibly. Responsible. Responsible degenerate. But at the same time, I can go crazy. And last night, unfortunately, we went crazy. We got there. And, you know, when you go to a casino in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, on a Tuesday night, I'm not going to talk about the crowd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to you be as... You are the crowd. That's I'm exactly yeah, what I think No, no, no. Of. We're going to do exactly it. Just go ahead. I, I mean, of. we all know. I'm going to try to be as respectful as I can no, to you're the not. crowd in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, on a Tuesday night in the casino. We got people ripping off their social security checks, going into the casino, betting it all on black. Oh, I mean, the casino last night was oh, brutal. I mean, the atmosphere couldn't have been lower. There was like 10 people there. Uh, I looked over at Elliot at one point, and I said, you know, the difference between this place and the competing casino downtown in Cincinnati 
is that there's just no bells and whistles in Lawrenceburg. No. There's no bells and whistles. Nobody's ever winning. There's no hooting and hollering. There's no, there's no jackpots being won. There's no music playing. There's no atmosphere. But you know what there is? The what? best blackjack rules in the, in the entire tri-state area. You're not going to find a lower deal at the blackjack table than at Hollywood, uh, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. I mean, they're truly. I, I, you know, you look around that casino, and, I, and there was not, like, one respectable human there. And I, and, I, and I say that with respect, but it was a Tuesday night at the casino. You're not going to find, like, I'm not meeting the Pope or the Queen when I'm going to Lawrenceburg, Indiana, and trying to win a blackjack deal. But anyway, we got there, right? We got there. Each one of us had a plan. Each one of us had a set amount of money we're going to go in with. We're going to win. We didn't. So I, Jacob was the first one. And a little, a little, we'll start with the blackjack. We, we went straight to the blackjack table. It was the four of us. Again, Reed wasn't there. So it was Jacob, myself, Casey, Paul. We were all at the blackjack table. We were just running the table. Uh, the first guy's name was Robert. Robert might have been the worst blackjack dealer of all time. Robert, if you're listening. Bob? I, I, yeah. You told him about blackjack Bob? Blackjack Bob was bad, man. Bo- kept, blackjack Bob was great. Blackjack Bob was making fun of us, dude. He would do like dungeons. Win more. He was win more. He was talking You're about making like, fun of the people there. He's making fun of you. How do you feel? That's true. I, you know, he was like doing like Dungeons and Dragons deals. Like when we were playing blackjack, he would just make sounds. Do you think it is? Do you think it is? Do you think it is? Oh, you lose. And it was like, what are we doing, Bob? <laughs> what are we doing? He was laughing at us for losing. Rob, I mean, the vibes couldn't have been lower. Rob, do, you want me to, do you want me to give you a tip or not? <laughs> so Rob was terrible. I lost a quick. I lost a quick sum of money at that table. I was doing very well. He, I, I started he, off hot. Paul was selfish Paul, to start the night. Paul was doing great. Selfish. You Paul were the only great. one winning. Oh, that's true. I think Casey, <laughs> I Casey was kind of in the middle, a little bit struggling at the beginning, and then we get to Jacob. Oh man. And this is how I knew this night was going to be bad. <laughs> Jacob was given a hand of 15. When you go around the cards, everybody's got okay okay hands. Time for the dealer to get his card. Robbie lays a 5. <laughs> now, if you know anything about gambling, you don't hit on a 5. No matter what cards you have above 10, you stay, right? If you have a 12 or higher, you're going to stay no matter what because the chances are a 5 is going to bust. Jacob hits a 15 on 5. I have never seen I Paul was ready to Paul was ready to die. <laughs> what if it was a six? Paul let out Paul let out like uh, the saddest groan I've ever heard in a grown man can make. I mean it was horrible. I was baffled. I couldn't believe it. And Jacob's Jacob's reasoning was I always hit on fifteen. Brother, it's a gut feeling, Elliot. That's not a gut feeling. That's a bad feeling. For what it's worth, yesterday when you guys were trying to explain the game of blackjack to Casey. He asked, so how do I play exactly? And, you know, some of us are going like, there's a, there's a strategy, the blackjack strategy. Jacob, we should have known this was a red flag right away. He says, you just hit until you get 21. I was like, that, that's not how you play. You got to get there somehow. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get, we'll get to that because sometimes you don't win on 21. So, so, we get to, yeah, so, so we get to Jacob. So Jacob does that, and it, it ruined the whole night, really. I mean, there was not a chance in hell that anybody, any one of us was going to be profitable after Jacob did that. He cursed the gambling gods, and the gambling gods cursed us. So Jacob gets off the table. He didn't win a bet all night. Hold Jacob, on. The J- next hand, I have a 15. The dealer has a 5. Yeah. You guys, oh, don't hit, don't no, no, hit. No, no, no. You had a 12, and you, you were like, 12. yeah, you had a 12, and you were, you were like, I, I want to take a hit. And we were like, no, you don't hit on a 12 on a 5. It would have been 21, it, it wasn't. It will, but see, that's the worst thing that can happen. Because now in the long run, you're thinking, I have to hit this because it would have worked out the one time. Bingo. Oh, brutal. Yeah, brutal. It, 
That's when I changed my whole mindset of the night. When I saw him hit that 15 on a 5, my whole mindset for the night changed. Yeah, so that was that. Jacob, my guy, I mean, you didn't win a bet all night, man. I mean, you, It was rough. It was you, a rough one. I mean, that was pathetic. It was a tough it was a one yesterday. One. It, was it, was, it was a rough one yesterday, and it, it, Jacob just started the whole thing. I want to talk real quick about Paul. Whatever you think of Paul, whatever you think of his persona, his, his attitude when he walks into a room, when he's doing his job, when he's with his friends... All of that goes out the window when this guy walks into a casino. <laughs> Casey and I were laughing at this guy all night. I mean, you would have thought we were with Carlin. You Carlin, Robin Williams, some kind of comedian. He was chatting up the players at the table, the gremlins at the table with us. He was chatting with the blackjack dealers, Robert, doing some, some magic hands, mocking all of us. Paul was just making fun of everybody. It was, it was the jolliest guy I've ever seen in a room ever. Casey, what are your thoughts on Paul at the casino? Oh, it was just wild. It was just wild. I mean, Paul, you were like, you you were just, you were laughing at other people making <laughs> just like the basic plays, right? And you're like, oh, that's tough. Yeah. You just make, every every time that someone had like a bad hand, oh man, that that's a that's a deal breaker. Oh, you got to make a double on that one. Paul laughed I'll, I'll in, help in you. the I'll face. I'll help you double on that one. <laughs> wow. The oldest man in that casino. <laughs> I mean, my guy. We'll, no, we'll get to it. We'll get to it in a second. All right. So that was Robert. After I lost all my coin from Robert, I went over to the electronic blackjack table. I'm not going to say I'm the best of all time over there, but I'm the best of all time when it comes to the electronic blackjack dealer. I run house. I won 10 straight hands in a span of, what was it, Jacob? Three minutes? Oh, it was quick. Even more than it was, I mean, it was quick, man. I, 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 so I, I got all the money I lost from there, got my little ticket, went to the machine, got more cash. Jacob was losing on roulette. We, we <laughs> head back over to the blackjack table to see what Paul was doing, Paul and Casey. They were both doing okay. Paul was doing great. Paul's still chatting up. A jolly little Paul over at the table. I sit back down and I go to work. At this point, Casey and Jacob leave for craps. Why don't yeah, you guys I, tell us about that story? Yeah, so, so what happened was I won a side bet uh, on the blackjack table. I won a straight flush, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I had, a, I had a chunk of change on me and I'm like, all right, Jacob's down. Let's go to let's go to the craps table and just get some recoup some money, you know. Just let's slowly, get back. Let's get back in. We go over to the craps table, and I don't think so. So we had what two or three dice rollers before you, Jacob, and yeah. all of them were buttons out on the first roll, seven the next roll, almost immediately after. And Jacob, he's never rolled dice before, and. Heard he was a pro. He, 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 he was a pro his first time. He rolled three sevens in a row first before the button came out. So those are three winners in a row. Rolls a six, and you're thinking, damn, this is a really good roll. We're going to be making some bank here. Rolled a seven right after that. I mean, it, was, it was just really brutal on know, the table. Yeah, know your roll. I guess I'm just the sevens guy. So give me the dice when it's my time to roll a seven. But, sorry, but the worst part about the craps table, and this was, this was the second bad sign of the night. The first hand that Jacob and I played at that craps table, we won on we won on uh, six or something right. like that. The dealer only paid out Jacob and didn't pay me and refused to pay me. Oh no! He thought he had paid me, and they were we were arguing with the guy like, "Hey, you need to pay me! Like, come on, man! Like, what are you doing?" And he had to have one of his own coworkers tell him, "Hey, you didn't pay <laughs> the, this the guy." Just pay them. That's the kind of operation they're running out there, Elliot. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Tuesday night crowd, Tuesday night employees at the casino, not going to be great. All right, so we go back to the table. We go back to the table, and it's my turn. We have two dealers now. I'm going to tell the story of two dealers. We got Shay and we got Megan. 
Shay was a beautiful woman. She, you know, she came in. She was doing. She was giving us great hands. I was back up. I was up on the top of the world. We were winning side bets. Vibes were high. At this point, our table was locked down. We, we had an elder graduate. His name was Kane. He was a great guy. Uh, we had another stranger, and then we had perhaps, and I, and I kid you not, this guy. I, I, he voted. He. I, I think he voted for Abraham Lincoln. That's how old this guy was. He was the oldest human in the history of the world, and he was sitting there. He couldn't really speak. Um, I and you know, <laughs> we were all profiting. This poor guy was losing every hand he had. And Paul, good old jolly Paul, was sitting there laughing at him, just <laughs> belly laughing at this guy. And every once in a while, this guy would hit, and Paul would go, "Hey, hey!" And you know, just give him a little love back. But man, I wasn't it was... laughing at him. I was laughing at the fact that we were all winning. Yeah. And the dealer would just so quickly snatch this guy's chips away. And he had won a side bet for like $500. And that stack was just dwindling, baby, all night long. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy. All right. So we were all doing well. But as you know, when you go to a blackjack table, the dealers switch often. Shay leaves us. And here comes Megan. Megan and I had a good thing going. We were winning hands, first 10 hands, everything was great. Paul was winning, I was winning, Casey was winning, Jacob wasn't playing because he sucks. So then we get, so then we get to about the 11th hand. I have a 21. At this point, I had all my chips, I was feeling good, I went all in. I hit 21. Blackjack. No, no, no. Well, not yep. blackjack. Well, it was 21. Yeah, it was 21. So, so it was 21, which is a blackjack. It that's how that works. It's not. That's just not how that works. If you get 21, is it not a blackjack? No, no, no. no. Blackjack's two the cards. first two cards. It was on two cards, though. It was not. Oh, did you was, get a yeah. blackjack? Yes. Oh. Yes. Well, yes. No, but then you no, would have... No, no, you, you did not. No, because no, the dealer you, didn't flip a blackjack. You had three cards that added up. You had up three cards. You pulled... Okay, whatever. Whatever. I got to the number where you're supposed to get to. <laughs> Megan, on seven cards, she, kept she keeps flipping them. She gets a 21. <laughs> so I lose it, or I guess I don't lose it. I get my money back. I put it all again, and I lose. It wasn't even close. And at that point, I was dead. It was over from that point. Vibes were low for me. And it was pretty much low for all of us. So we all take a, we take a break. We go to the... Uh, the um, went to roulette. We went to the dinner. Well, we went no, to we went to roulette because I hit the six. You're, no, that was after. So we went to dinner first. It was not after. No, no, no. It was, we're we're going to get to sports here soon, guys. I promise. Is Elliot so an unreliable narrator? No, narrator? I'm a great narrator. We went, roulette I'm, was before dinner. Okay, so we went to roulette. <laughs> Paul wins a bet. He's in good graces, and we say, you know what? We're going to take a break. We're going to go get dinner. We get dinner. We come back in. Jacob, at this point, is left. He's the worst gambler of all time. <laughs> so it's just me, Paul, Casey. At this point, I'm done gambling. I'm just there for the vibes. Paul walks in. Casey and I, we, we're just sitting next to him, really. Casey loses his, like, 40 chips or whatever, $40 in chips, and it's just Paul. And we're losing, and we're losing, and we're losing. And this guy's name is Mark. Now, Mark was a good old boy. He lives on a farm somewhere in nowhere, Indiana. And this guy was worse than Robert. He was just like, I don't think you guys are going to win. And we're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So then Paul's down to his last several whatever chips. He puts it on two hands because Casey and I have been eliminated. We put it on two hands. Paul rides it over on both hands four straight times, including getting a blackjack, to get up to an insane number. And we, at the end of the night, we leave happy. Well... And then Paul, and then Paul, what happened? So we're walking out of the casino. I had just cashed out. I mean, it truly was probably my greatest blackjack run of all time. And I've played a lot of blackjack. I don't know if the vibes had ever been higher than what they were going up to that cashier for what I was cashing out for. And I turn around. We're all laughing. We're all, we just couldn't believe what had just happened in the last five minutes. And this degenerate is sitting in a slot. 
And, I, and again, I'm not going to judge anybody. But he had a lot of tattoos, and he, had a, he did have a lot of teeth. So he turns over, he's ripping a cig, and he looks over at Paul, and what does he do, Paul? He looks at me, and he points at the ground, and he goes, hey, buddy. <laughs> and as you know, you're not supposed to look at that. It's a, it's, it's a meme. You can't look at it. And it does that, and it was the, probably the hardest I've ever laughed. Just some guy doing that. <laughs> and he turns around and goes, you owe me a dollar. <laughs> oh, but it was a good time. Uh, that was a story of the casino. Thank you for bearing with us. Uh, that was a good time. All right, it's time to talk about the Reds. The Reds win a game in Milwaukee. How about that, fellas? Abbott, six innings, seven hits, one walk, nine Ks, no earned runs. Will Benson had a phenomenal game. He had a great defensive play in right field and a game-stealing two-run shot. Ian Jabot Sims, oh, my God. I, I'm dealing with a throat thing, guys. My vo my voice is gonna crack. You don't want to talk Reds, and I'm gonna cough. I don't. Well, no, I do want to talk Reds. Your voice didn't crack once during casino talk. It did not. Uh, Duarte Duarte was not good. Gave up three or in the bottom of nine. Diaz gave up another hit. Diaz has not been looking good, but he got the job done. Got the save. Uh, Thirty saves for Diaz that ties the NL lead. So Diaz, phenomenal season, and that's where we go. Reds win four three against the Brewers. Split the series, and that's all I wanted. I, I just wanted one game against this series. I think, I, you know, when you play Milwaukee as many times as we have in this short period of time, I don't know what I expected, but I certainly expected to win more than three games uh, or two games. I think we've won two. Is that three, right? Three and eight. We're now three and eight. Three and nine. No, three and nine. Three yeah, and nine, but two of them were in the last three weeks. You know what I'm saying? The, the recent three series. So I, it's a nightmare scenario. I. The, the Reds have played so poorly against Milwaukee in, in large part of because of their pitching. Corbin Burns has been nails. Uh, um, Devin Williams has been nails. We haven't been able to get any runs in the bullpen, but luckily last night we scored two on Burns, and that's what you have to do. You just have to get a decent lead before Devin Williams is able to come in the game, and that's what the Reds did, and they won the game. Guys, how big was that win last night? Just for the morale. Just for the morale of the team. Just to not get swept by Milwaukee again. That bottom of the ninth inning carried me the entire way home from Lawrenceburg. I was listening to it on the radio, yeah. and it carried me pretty much the entire way home from Lawrenceburg because I was sitting there thinking to myself, they were up, the Reds were up 4 nothing going into the bottom of the ninth inning. I was so far away from my house, and I'm thinking, am I going to make it home by the end of the postgame show? Am I going to be able to? I was turning into my driveway as the game ended. And you know what? <laughs> this is degenerate. When it was 4 nothing. And the, the Brewers were losing. I, I, I legitimately, when I was getting in the car, I thought to myself, are they even offering odds on the Brewers right now? They think they've turned the odds off. I went and I looked. I, couldn't, I, I didn't see the Brewers-Reds game on the book. And I thought, ah, it's okay. The Reds, the Red, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. No, not fine. But they did get it done. And you know, sometimes in games like these, it takes a lot to get over the hump. It feels like sometimes in sports, when you're playing a team that you just haven't beat before, it takes your utmost effort to just get over the hump and get a monkey off your back like that. And they did. And we were in the casino last night for, for like the first half of the game, so we didn't see a ton of, the, ton of the plays in there. But Jacob comes over to me at one point, and he just says, David Bell is just crushing his head. The umpires have messed yeah. up again in Milwaukee, and he's just doing this. Just banging on his head. The, the challenge in Major League Baseball has been around for a couple years now, and I have never seen a manager hit their head that hard <laughs> to call for a challenge. I mean, he went both hands, clean smack both sides of the head. It, it was fascinating. He, he has to enter concussion protocol. Well, I think he's just – he didn't get ejected, right? He, didn't. he did not. He okay, did. so 
I, I think at some point, maybe today, he'll get ejected. Because I would, if I could take David Bell to get ejected today, I would be all over that prop. Umpires shouldn't be this bad, man. You should. The umpires shouldn't be as as big of a as big of, of a part of the game as they are as they have been in this series, if I can speak. So I, I think it's big for the Reds to get a win against. I'm not going to say a rigged deck, but truly the umpiring plus 2.11 runs in a game where they scored three. Are you kidding me? It's just bad. It's just been bad. But I want to talk about Andrew Abbott. Andrew Abbott is the ace of this team. Andrew Abbott is now the ace of this team. I know we talked about it yesterday. I know Hunter Green's probably the most talented guy in, in the, in, on the roster. But Andrew Abbott has been the best pitcher this season, and he is the ace. If, if the Reds make the postseason, he is game one. In 10 games started, he's ha- he has a 1.9 ERA with a 0.96 whip, right? Hunter Green has a 3.9 ERA in 14 games started. I know, I know it's a smaller sample size, but Andrew Abbott, you have to feel the most confident when Andrew Abbott's on the mound, right? Has is Andrew Abbott been the best rookie for the Reds this season? And we'll get to that point later on, but yeah. Yeah, he has. He's been the most important. It, the team has struggled with starting pitching all year. Everybody knows this. They've been a whole lot better lately. But Andrew Abbott, having the confidence that when Abbott pitches, you know the other team is not scoring two runs, that means everything. That means absolutely everything when the offense is as good as it has been. So I think Andrew Abbott is the ace. I think he starts game one. Hunter Green's great. Hunter Green's great. He's, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. His fastball is phenomenal. But I think Hunter Green's fastball can get caught up when you go for the third time around the, the roster, right? The third time around the lineup, I think a 103-mile-per-hour fastball down the gut, I think that becomes more attainable. Andrew Abbott's stuff is nasty. I think Andrew Abbott is the starter, starter in game one. Paul? I agree. I agree. I think the way that he's pitched right now and, and you're looking at with guys coming back potentially and how this rotation is stacking up, why not? I mean, 16 straight scoreless innings and he's, and he's done it in big spots. That's, that's the thing is he hasn't gone out there and he's just done it against nobodies. The Reds needed him to go out there and put up some scoreless innings last night, and that's exactly what they got out of him. And how about the under? I mean, the under just smacks. The under's free. When you're, well, when you're playing in Milwaukee, it's free anyway because the, the umpires aren't going to allow it, and the Brewers are just get automatic wins there. So just take the under. They don't score. The Brewers aren't good. That's the other thing. This Brewers team isn't good. They are good, so when everybody looks at me and they're going to say, oh, they're not, Elliot, you're wrong, they're not good. Reed makes this joke, and Reed will cut him in here in a second. But the Brewers team isn't good. This team isn't going to win a World Series. They're not. Does, is, that, is that the appropriate bar for determining if a team is good? No, it's not. But this team isn't beating the Braves in a seven-game series. They're not beating the Braves in a three-game series. They're not beating the Dodgers in a three-game series. If I'm going to be completely honest, I love the Reds' chances in a three-game series. I love them. I don't think they're beating the Giants in a five-game series. I don't think they beat the Padres, who have sucked. I don't think they beat the Padres in a five-game, three-game series. I don't think the Brewers are that good. And it sucks that the Reds just can't get a win, against a series win against this team, because I think the Reds are more talented, vastly, vastly more talented. If the Reds' starting pitching continues this run that it's on, the Brewers don't have a chance. The Reds are the third most talented team in the National League if the starting pitching continues to, do, to be like this. I firmly believe that. Read. It's when you get on X.com and you see all these Reds fans constantly talking about how this Brewers team is not good. This Brewers team's terrible. Meanwhile, they're nine and three against the Reds. It is asinine. These the Reds and the Brewers are bizarro versions of themselves. They are foils of themselves. 
One team can hit and can't throw the ball over the plate. The other team can't hit and has the best pitching in the National League Central by a large margin. They're just foils of one another. I don't like it. You saying that the Brewers aren't good is essentially saying that the Reds aren't good because they're the exact same team just on different sides of the coin. There's two equal elements of the game that is pitching and that is offense. And they are the exact same on either side of the ball. I think there's a difference, though, between having a, a, a singular team or a singular division's number opposed to the rest of the league. We said it yesterday. The Brewers are an okay team, an average team, a 500 team against the rest of the league. Right, and what are the Reds against the National League Central? We're going back to them being foils of one another. One team dominates the NL Central and is mediocre against right. everybody else in the National League. Meanwhile, one team is mediocre against the National League Central and dominates the rest of the National League. And I fully, They're foils of one another. I fully admit that there's no way I can win this argument. The Brewers are objectively good. The issue is when you look <laughs> when you look at when you look at the offense, when you look at the offensive numbers, they're bottom five in every single category. They we're the Reds and we're the Reds in, in pitching. Yeah. I but 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 that's a thing. I mean, I, I don't think that you have to have both aspects of the game. Right? And the Reds don't. But the Reds have. That's my point. The Reds have done that the past two weeks. Yeah, and the, and the Brewers have hit pretty well on a two-week span at different points of this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly. I'm not going to win this argument. <laughs> I fully admit. I fully admit I'm not winning this argument. But when I, when I look at the Brewers and I see Jesse Winker trotting up there with a 180 average, singing a Blake 182 song, this is what I'm thinking. I just think he can't hit a baseball. Christian, <laughs> when they see Luke Weaver go on the mound with a 7 ERA, yeah. they think this guy can't pitch a baseball. It's They're the foils of one another. Reed, stop making good points. Here's the thing. <laughs> listen, listen. The Reds have managed to get wins <laughs> on a flawed roster. Are, are my shorts that short? What? Are yes, my they are, Reed. That short? They are disgustingly short. Someone asked if I sat in gum. Are the nuts out? <laughs> They're yeah. bad. They're yeah, bad. That's Reed, by the way, this is a pro move, everybody. This is why I cross my legs. Everybody makes fun of me that I cross my legs. I don't want any criticism towards the nether regions of my body. So that's this is why I sit cross legs over there in that chair. But anyway, back to the Brewers. I think the Brewers, I think the Brewers are, are a deeply flawed team. I think starting pitching can only get you so far. You saw what happened in 2020 when Trevor Bauer gave up zero runs in nine innings and the Reds managed to lose. I think offense trumps pitching in the playoffs. I believe that. I know I could be proven wrong on that. I know I'm sure there's a lot of stats to prove me wrong. I fully admit that. But when I use my dumb brain, I'm thinking back to the 2020 season where the Reds scored zero runs. Starting pitching gave up one combined run in that series. Zero runs was, were scored by the Reds' offense. And that's where I'm like, how far can you go when you have the Braves who have Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, right? Marcelo Zuna isn't a nobody. I mean, he's not a good guy, not respectfully. Uh, and you look around that roster and you're like, Ozzy Alves, these guys are going to score five runs, six runs. The Brewers aren't going to be able to compete with that. Same thing with the Dodgers, right? I think it's the same thing with the Padres. The Padres suck. I don't think they'll make the postseason. I think it's too late. But it, it, it's, it's a point where can you outscore the other team in the postseason? I believe that. If, if we're talking about how the National League Central stacks up against the rest of the, the top teams in the National League, it's a losing battle. We know that the Reds and the Brewers aren't as good as the Braves, aren't as good as the Phillies, aren't as good as the whole National League West competing teams. The Marlins are, are the one anomaly. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess you're making the same points as to why the Brewers aren't good that you could 
literally sub out the Correct. word Brewers and put in the Cincinnati Reds, and the same argument applies. But here's the part where I, I think I do have I do have a Trump on you, a Trump card, Donald. DT's um, forty seven. That's right. I think the Reds are more talented. I think the Reds are vastly more talented but in every aspect of the game. They're not more talented pitching. They're not. Brandon I, Woodruff's coming back soon. Corbin Burns is probably the best pitcher in the National League. Like I, I said, they're I bizarro healthy, versions. I, I think a healthy Nick Lodolo, a healthy Graham Ashcraft, a healthy Hunter Green, a healthy Andrew Abbott. You're not taking any of those four guys over Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff. I think, and I think that's where I disagree. I think, I think Andrew Abbott has been good enough to be in the same conversation as those two this season. In this season, certainly. I'm going to pull a Casey right now. I'm going to look at this season only. I'm going to look at it in a vacuum. And I'm going to say right now, if I have to play the Milwaukee in a three-game series, I like my chances. It's what have we you done be, for me lately. We would be large underdogs in the series against Milwaukee. I 100% agree. Okay. I 100% agree, and I know I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong when I make this point. I do. But I'm just saying you look around, and I don't think the Brewers are that talented. All right. Will Benson. Billy Baseball. I don't remember. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't remember a player who has started so poorly and then has become what he has become to this team. Jacob has made the joke, and this is it's not a joke at this point. He's the best nine hitter in, this, in the history of the sport, perhaps. Uh, yeah, he's hitting 325 since he came back up. Miles Mastroboni? Right. Who? <laughs> exactly. Miles Mastroboni, the Cubs nine hitter. Okay, so Come the Cubs, I, I don't know why we have Cubs talk on this show. All right. The so, Will Benson project is working. It's working. It's working it's, wonderfully. He's got a 288 average, 392 OBP, 535 slug. Against, against righties, he kills them. Uh, lefties, not so much. He doesn't really play against lefties, though, right? Which works. Everyone, everyone wants to bang the, the table for Will Benson to play every day, but part of the reason why his numbers are so good and he's consistently playing so well is because he's playing against righties and he's comfortable in that situation. As long as we have these let bats for left-handed pitching, we might as well use them. Once we, you know, maybe trade or cut some people, then you talk about playing them every day. But while we have these left-handed bats, you have to use them. I agree. And I think that's where, like, where people will still hate David Bell. Everybody on – every single human on Facebook that uses the Facebook app, they all hate David Bell. They hate David Bell. They hate Joey Votto. They hate anybody that's ever been good. David Bell saved this season. The Big Red Platoon has worked magically. I mean, the, the, Reds, the Reds platoon, I'd argue, I'd argue is the best in baseball right now. I don't, think, I don't think there's another team that can match our platooning of Jake Fraley, of TJ Frito. TJ Frito plays every day. Of Will Benson, right? I think Nick Senzel against lefties has some value, not a lot. Kevin Newman's a great bat against lefties. Kevin Newman. Pitchers. I think I, I just think you look at David Bell, what he's done for this team this year. It's just been a large part of it. But back to Will Benson. Will Be Jacob said something to me yesterday. Will, <laughs> Will Benson's a good defender. But, man, he looks like he's not a good defender. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. I think... I made the joke to Elliot last night when he threw the guy out at home. I think he just wants highlight plays. He lets the ball roll all the, the wall just so he can show off that hose he has for an arm. I like when you see him tracking the ball. It's like where is it? Where is it for the first five he seconds in the air? He has no idea where the ball is until it's in his glove. But he finds it along the way, and he makes spectacular Somehow. plays out there. I so yeah. I, Will Benson, what a turnaround! I thought he was going to be as Drupal Cabrera with his 0 for 27, <laughs> just exit the Reds without a hit. Asdrubal Cabrera, man, not on a, not to go on a tangent, but that guy that guy sucked. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! Hey, Asdrubal Cabrera, did he have two thousand hits? I called him Asdrubal. <laughs> that guy just sucked. Does anyone, in, in all honesty, Will Benson's 
at-bats are incredibly impressive at the moment. Oh. Every time he comes up, he makes 100%. the pitcher th- makes the pitcher throw a lot of pitches. You know, he's got a great um, he's got great plate vision. He waits for his pitch, fouls off, spoils any pitches around. The- he just has great at-bats almost every single time he comes up. He's seeing the ball incredibly well. And and to be honest, the the two the two greatest abilities that a nine-hole hitter can have, obviously, number one, the best ability you can have as, a, as an offensive player is getting on base. But when you're a nine-hole hitter and you're making, you're exhausting the pitcher, making him throw you eight, nine pitches before he gets to the gauntlet of your lineup every single time you come to the plate, that is an invaluable tool at the bottom of that lineup. You, they talk about the anchor, and yeah, he's anchoring into the batter's box every time he comes up. He's The pitcher's exhausted when they get back to the top half of the order. That's so valuable out of a nine-hole hitter. It's, it's, and, you know, you look at traditional baseball etiquette, and it's like usually you get to the nine-hole hitter, and it's usually, it's usually the absolute garbage, dumpster, worst player you've ever seen, right? It's the Austin Nolas of the world. It's, it's the 150 catcher. It's the Kirk Casale. That's right. It's the, it's it's the, the Miles Bastroboni. It's the, it's, one, the it's, it's the 150 catcher. But then you kind of look at it from like a reverse standpoint. And you get to the bottom of the order, the bottom of the order, and it's Will Benson. Then you go into Ellie De La Cruz. Then Matt McClain, T.J. Friedel, Jake Fraley. And then it's like it all kind of makes sense. Where the worst hitters of our lineup are right around seven, eight right now, six, seven, eight, and it's the nine, one, nine through six, nine through five. It's just tearing up the league. I mean, it's incredible. What's it's incredible what happened? But that brings me to my next point: Ellie De La Cruz. I'm not concerned about Ellie De La Cruz. He has struggled mightily. I think it's three hits in his last, four hits in his last 36 at-bats. Ellie De La Cruz is going to be fine. What he does defensively makes up, just defensively alone, makes up for what he's struggling right now at the plate. I think he is the best, most talented defensive player in Major League Baseball right now. I know it was overturned and the guy was called, and uh, Contreras was called safe at first at the end of that game. There's not another third baseman this side of the Nolan Arenados and Manny Machados of the world that make that play even close. No. I mean, the way he charged that ground ball and just flicked it to first, I mean, I assume 100 miles an hour like every other ball he throws. I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's almost, like, impossible. Like you, I think when Anil Cruz came up, he had similar type of thing. He just had a rocket arm at shortstop. Ellie De La Cruz has passed that in spades. I mean, Ellie De La Cruz defensively is so much – so much more valuable to me right now than his offensive side because the rest of our offense is still putting up numbers, right? Every, everybody's going to go on a slump. Jacob and I have talked about it all season long where it's just regression. These guys are young. They're going to regress. It happens. It's going to happen with every team. It happens with, it happens with veterans, right? Every veteran goes on a slump. Jay Bruce was the king of slumps. Jay Bruce would go a month without getting a hit. He'd go on the next month. He did 30 home runs. It's just like – it's different, right? Baseball is such an impossible sport. Because it's so long and it's so hard to get a good read of, of like when can you be good consistently. But when you find that great consistent player, they're a Hall of Famer. And that's why I think Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer just because he's been consistent like that his whole career until this year. We'll talk about him in a second. But Ellie De La Cruz has been struggling at the plate. Moving him to the one, the one spot has not worked. I didn't like that move. I'm going to be honest. I think Jacob did. Jacob can give your point in one second here. But I, I, I do think Ellie De La Cruz should be hitting – where we can get RBIs. I do think, I think putting him at the three or the four, having your best hitter play there is important to me. I respect David Bell for trying it. He was in a slump. You, you just move him around, move the pieces around, but it hasn't worked at leadoff. It hasn't. No, yeah, it, it obviously hasn't worked. He's hitting 125 right around there since he got switched to the leadoff spot, which isn't going to cut it, but he's 21 years old. Like you said, the rest of the lineup seems to be working where we have them right now very well. 
I don't mind giving him the most at-bats. Let him swing the bat to get out of this funk. Keep him at first. Keep him getting five at-bats a game. Like, just, just let him work through this. I think that's the only way he can. It's the same thing we say with Tyler Stevenson all the time. You can't get better at catching without catching. Well, you can't get better at hitting without hitting. So Correct. he needs to just stand in the batter's box and swing the bat every day. Yep. I mean, that's kind of where I am with it right now because we know what he can be. And even in a stretch where he's hitting 125, he hit a baseball 500 feet. Like, he still does stuff in that 125 to provide value. And you touched on his defense, which is, which is amazing. And, and when he, you know, he, he's getting on base at an all right level, even though he's not getting hits. He's not stealing the bases as much as he was. But, I, I mean, I still am, am not moving off of him at first right now. I, I would move him relatively soon. Maybe not, maybe not this series. Maybe not next series. Like Jacob said, just give him the at-bats. Give him the reps. It'll, it'll come. The thing, the thing about Ellie De La Cruz is, you know, he, he's getting on base right now at a, at a 311 clip, which isn't cutting it as a, as a leadoff man. But I don't think his slugging percentage is truly indicative of how many bases he generates the Reds. Because slugging percentage is just based off of total, total bases divided by how many at-bats you've had. When my man gets on first base, he ain't staying at first base. Anytime he is on base, he's getting to second, if not third. He's 17 stolen bases in, what is it, 30 games, 40 games, whatever he's played. Yep. So the fact that if he gets on base from that leadoff position, he's in scoring position for the teeth of the Reds lineup. If you can just figure out a way to have you know longer at-bats, if you can figure out a way to just generate more, more opportunities to get on base for Ellie De La Cruz – the Reds' offense is back to where it was at the end of June. And the Reds' offense, I'm not even concerned about it. At this point, we're too far into the season. The Reds' offense has been too good. These at-bats, these hits, these runs, they're going to they're gonna come. At this point, no matter what, they're going to come. In large part, one guy that we haven't talked about, and I think his name gets almost overlooked at this point, Matt McClain. And this is Casey's guy. Matt McClain. My guy. There Let's go. go to war, Casey. He's been one of the most consistent players on this team. Him and Andrew Abbott, just I know something good's going to happen when Andrew Abbott A, or excuse me, when Matt McLean A steps up to the plate and B is on defense. I think he's been phenomenal. I think he's been the most consistent guy on this team since when he's appeared. I, I like you look around this team and there's a lot of guys going some slumps. Matt McLean's been consistently good all the way around. Absolutely. You can always rely on him to either A, get you some really good offensive performance, or B, be really solid on defense. He never slumps on both, right? You're always going to get something out of him. And it just seems like time and time again that, you know, he, he's the most overlooked rookie, in my opinion, at I the current moment. I think he is. 100% is. I just, I don't know if there's like, you can't really change what he's doing though, right? You just got to let him keep doing what he's yep. doing. Yep. And he'll I perform. Yeah, I, I think and, and Matt McClain has been a huge part of this team's success. And you when you when you get I mean, I know it's down the road, but at some point the Reds will have to extend some of these guys. I want him extended. Yeah. I want Matt McClain yeah. to be a part of this team for a long time. I think he needs to be a priority one. The consistency he's shown on both sides of the ball, uh, it's amazing. I mean he he's coming you guys said Andrew Abbott's the best rookie. He has a one point nine ERA. You can't really argue with that. I think it's been Matt McClain. Since the minute he came up, he changed this whole team. The, the defense, the level, we were talking about the defense being what's holding this pitching staff back. And since Matt McClain came up, we have been a very good defensive team. Like these young guys are flying all over the field, covering the balls that were getting through the infield before. Matt McClain's hitting 306, getting on base 375. He, I think he's the perfect three hole hitter. I, I love him at second base. So I, just one thing, really quickly Matt McClain also leads the team in war at 2.6. Yep, yep. 
I mean, he, he's almost a whole point above everyone else on the team. Go ahead. Go ahead, Reed. I'm not a Reds historian, but has there ever been a five foot eight second baseman that bats three hole on a on a touted lineup that is maybe the most slept on and best player of the team? I, I, I don't, don't think know. so. Jose Altuve is the only one that has similar ability, but you don't think play so. Lead off. You don't think there's ever been a red second baseman five foot eight batted three hole on a team? Never. Never. Phillips didn't do it, right? Go a little bit farther back. Joe Morgan. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So uh, we're doing, we're playing games here. All right. So I lost that game. That was a game that Reed played and he was trying to, you know, he made me host today. And That's you're the like, best second baseman in Reds history, Elliot. Listen. He was the best player on the Big Red Machine. Sorry, guys. Sorry. You know, when you're up here and you're thinking, you're trying to think of your conversation points, I'm not playing tests. I'm not going to have a test. Stay on your toes. I, I will not blame Elliot for that. I, I couldn't tell you the, the heights there of players. We know. We know. We know. We know. We know. We know. Casey. We know. Elliot's supposed to be a baseball guy. I apologize to Joe Morgan. I apologize. I should have known the name when Reed was testing me just then. I'm bad at tests. What can I say? Look at my ACT score. But I think Matt McClain, I think there's like a select guys you're going to have to extend. Obviously, you can't extend everybody. But I think Ellie and Matt McClain are pri priorities number one and two. Yeah, I mean, if you can get an out contract extension done with Ellie, you do it tomorrow. Correct. I, mean, I, I refuse to believe that the Reds haven't went down that road already. I, I think you're talking to before he even comes up. I, you know, if, I think if it was going to get done this year, it would have already gotten done. That's, yeah. that's, I don't think you should hold your breath for an Ellie De La Cruz extension. I, I would love to see McLean extended. I, I don't know what an extension looks like for the other guys. Definitely wait on pitchers like Andrew Abbott. I mean, he's been great, but you got to wait on pitchers. Yeah, I think those are definitely one and two. Yeah, all right. Next up, by the way, bullpen. I'm going to talk a little bit about the bullpen real quick. Real quick. I don't trust this bullpen. There is not, there is not a force on earth that can make me trust this bullpen. I want to trust them. I want to trust them. And Nick Kirby's going to come on here, and he's going to tell me Fernando Cruz is the best pitcher the world's ever seen. I know what's going to happen. And he's going to have all the numbers to back it up. He's going to have, just like the Brewers' argument with Reed, I know I don't have a winning argument. All th these relievers have been phenomenal this season. There's not a reliever I trust. Lucas Sims walks at least one guy every outing, right? Outside of, Ed outside of Diaz. Lucas Sims walks a guy every time. Buck Farmer in his last 10 games has given up seven earned runs. Ian Jabot. Ian Jabot. Ian. Great Britain. Fish and chips. Hello, governor. I'm sorry, man. You're, you've been good. He has a three RA. He's approaching the sub three number. If he's he been good. If he gets to sub three. Huh? If he I, gets to sub three, what are you going to do? I don't know, Jacob. <laughs> I mean, if Ian Jabot gets to sub three, we're talking. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just completely switch my role, and we're just going to go Hall of Fame. Put him in the Hall at that point. Because Ian Jabot has been dominant, and I still don't trust the guy. I don't trust him at all. I don't know why. I don't know how. Yeah. But Fernando Cruz, last night, Daniel Duarte. I think Daniel Duarte sucks. And I say that with love and respect. But I don't, I don't trust him. And again, when somebody clips this, I have zero numbers to back it up, and I know nothing's on my side when I say that. We'll cut That's that an irrational out. fan. That's an irrat that we'll cut it. Yeah, we'll cut that uh, we'll, part out. Okay. Yeah, I bet we will. <laughs> and I'll just get dragged through the mud. Um, but I just don't trust him. Jacob, when you, when you have a runner on base in the eighth inning, and here comes Derek Law, Buck Farmer, when these guys come in, you're smiling. You're like, all right, we got this in the bag. There's only one man that puts a smile on my face that late in the game. Yeah. And it's Fernando Cruz. <laughs> I, I love Fernando Cruz. What Fernando Cruz has done, you know, since the All-Star break, right around right before the All-Star break, Fernando Cruz has been great. He's been the best reliever in this bullpen outside of Ian Jabot and Alexis Diaz. 
He, he's the third best reliever in this. So bullpen. we're saying Ian Jabot is the second best reliever? I, and that's where we are right now as, as a bullpen. Since opening day last year, Ian Jabot has been three times more valuable than Jonathan India <laughs> in terms of war. Three times. What are you going to do with that information, Elliot? I don't know. That was, I mean, that's a defeated man. Reed just defeated me there. My guy Jonathan India hits him to 16 double plays a week. Ian Jabot just pitches scoreless gems, and I still don't like him. I don't get it. I don't get it. Fernando Cruz has a 2-2-5 ERA in his last 15 games. I have no numbers. If Nick Kirby's in the chat, I'm not looking at the chat right now, but he's going to come at me with all these numbers, his strikeout rate, all his rates. That stupid, that stupid trade value website that every Reds fan or every baseball fan in the world uses. Fernando I, Cruz at like a 14. He's got an infinity number. <laughs> you can trade Fernando Cruz for Shohei Otani straight up in that website. It doesn't make sense. The other thing with the bullpen is if, <laughs> if Alexis Diaz has pitched within the last three days, I don't trust him. Yeah. Like he needs a day off. Like if he's Ale gone back to back days, I don't trust him. Tom Brennan has made a lot of good points in this program. One of them being Alexis Diaz needs days off. Yeah, right. Alexis Diaz is now officially on overworked or on, on, on overworked. He, can, watch. he cannot throw tonight. He cannot. will not throw. He tonight. cannot throw tonight. Seven of, seven of ten games, you can't expect the closer to keep putting up elite numbers with elite stuff. He, there's a very select few people that can do that in today's game of baseball. I'm I'm close to switching my role completely, and I know I'm the king of Ian Jabot in high leverage situations. This guy sucks. I'm switching it. Put him in the ninth inning. If it's a four-run game, if it's a four-run game, which means it's not a save, put Ian Jabot in. Because at, least, about, yeah. at least I can, somewhat, I can somewhat tolerate Ian Jabot. But if Ian Jabot loses us a game, guys, at I don't least know what you can make You're content out of Ian Jabot. In nut-cutting time? You're going to give it to him. Hello, Gavna. I've got a history Fish book that I've got to show you, brother. Fish and chips. Bad teeth. Every character in Mission Impossible except Tom Cruise. British. All right, so now, all right, we're going to transition. We're going to transition Let's off the Let's see you bullpen. do this one. Yeah, all right, you ready for this? Get, I get, get on that electric scooter and segue. <laughs> all right, I see him. I see him right there. He is my good friend. He is a contributor for PFF. He is a blogger for ChatterboxSports.com. His name is Zach Freeze. Zach Freeze, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Elliot, how how we doing? You sound, uh, you sound really good. I've, I've been Thanks. listening to the show. I don't... I don't appreciate some of the uh, the Ian Jabot slander. Uh, I bet you but, don't. But it's it's been a it's a roaring start to the show. Roaring yeah, start. yeah. Well, whatever. I, I Ian Jabot has, is going to break me at some point. Ian Jabot is very close to the breaking point. I'm going to have to move this. I by the way, real quick. I, I don't know how Tom does this. This yeah. There we go. All right. We'll put it in the back of the head there. How about that? Uh, Ian Jabot is going <laughs> to break me at some point. I think I, I think he's good enough right now to be like the eighth inning guy outside of Lucas Sims. If Lucas Sims needs a day off, you put Ian Jabot in. And that's where I am. Mm -hmm. I'm a broken man. I've made fun of this guy all year, and now he's just proven me wrong again and again. I have no numbers to back up my argument. Zach, when we when we were talking earlier in this season on our on our, our well acclaimed podcast, or world renowned podcast, I said I was gonna be nice this year. I'm I'm a critic of the Reds. I am down on the Reds. Mainly because in the last 25 years, they've been a bottom five franchise in Major League Baseball. I think I have a fair gripe there. Where is your outlook right now on this Reds team? I mean, I'm phenomenal. I mean, what else can you say? I think a certain uh, employee of Chatterbox Sports uh, the, that might be a Cubs fan was saying that the expectations, you know, what we were at 65 wins, we needed to lower those. So this is going to be a hell of a losing streak, right? We're going to lose 70 in a row. <laughs> 
Zach, that's so the best take. How do you not? How are you not about about this outlook? We're talking about the entire that, that bad pitching, bad lineup, bad. Everything's bad. I, I give Reed a hard time, but no, I mean it, it's we're we're talking about being biased, right? I mean th- that's I'm not going to say like whatever happens, like it's already a win, but how like to for us to be in this position for the rookies to have come up. Matt McLean, I think, is going to be a star, guys. Like, I think he's a star. He's an elite defender at short. Un- unbelievable, just what everything he's done. Abbott, like, I don't think in any scenario we could have thought, like, these rookies were going to come up and do this. And, yeah, we were excited about, like, we got prospects on the horizon. But they've carried the load, right? Like, they've carried the team. We thought India and Stevenson were the, were the chips that were going to be, like, Oh, these are the these are the cornerstones, and we'll see where these rookies fill out. And now everybody and their sister wants India shipped to the A's for JP Sears and maybe AJ Puck or something. So, I mean, it's great. I, I'm I'm just I'm tickled that we're in this spot. I'm, I, I, think, I don't know what else. To I think if you look back at our opening day roster, like yeah. there was just no chance this team was going to win 75 games. And now, like you said, with everybody that's come up, it's now a playoff contender. I think this team right. is going to go to the playoffs. Zach, what say you? I'm nervous. I, I don't know. I'm. If you made me today, if you made me pick, I'm going to say, I know I just hyped this up. I would still favor Milwaukee uh, to win the division just because of the pitching, right? And when you have Burns and you have Peralta and you have the bull, – their bullpen has just owned us, Piomps and, and Williams – I just think in the at the end of the day, and they're going to get Woodruff back. I, I don't expect the Reds to make a giant trade for a starter. So um, I know we're going to get Hunter Green back. I don't know how much you can count on the Dolo. I mean, that's September maybe if he comes back. But if you made me pick, I would I would I would give Milwaukee an edge. We'll see what happens at the deadline. So if if the odds, if I would say we're not going to make the playoffs. As of now, wow! I, I, I'm saying no. Right as right today, today. Wow! I'd favor All right, right, All right. So but I think if the Reds' pitching continues like it has been, starting pitching at least, and, and certainly the bullpen's been good all year. But if the starting pitching continues to be like this, I said to these guys before you hopped on, I said this is the third most talented team in the National League behind the Dodgers and Braves. I think this team is good enough to make a, a postseason run. I think they're good enough to win a postseason series. And that would be obviously the first time since when? 2000, 1999 or something? So I, I, think, I, I think this team is good enough to do it. And I don't know. I, I, I think at the deadline, and then this is my next question for you, I don't know what you, you try to acquire here. I don't know what makes this team significantly better. Because there's not a lot of pieces to, to trade, right? Uh, Jacob and I were talking about it yesterday or, and two days ago. We were getting dragged through the mud. Jake Fraley is a guy that you look to trade, right? Or No. Don't do this. No. No. Ellie. What else what on. else do the Reds have to offer? What else do the Reds nobody's gonna trade prospects. If you're looking to trade prospects, Reds fans have declared it, you stick with the process, right? So at this uh, point see, this so at this point this leaves two guys. This leaves Jonathan India, right? And it leaves Jake Fraley. I don't think they're trading Will Benson. I don't think they're trading TJ Friedel. Nobody else on this roster is either good enough or willing to be traded. So at this point, what are you willing to trade and what can you get in return? I don't think there's a starting pitcher that the Reds are going to get at the deadline. I do think I the Reds will get I do think the Reds will get a reliever. 
I do think there's a guy that will replace Fernando Cruz, that will replace Daniel Duarte, to give at least Reds fans some sort of comfort after Ian Jabot pitches. Well, I think uh, uh, Fraley. I know I've, you guys have you guys have talked about the Fraley stuff. I would be I would be disappointed if Jake Fraley was shipped off to wherever. Um, because he's a key, like we're in this, right? Like we're in this thing and he's probably, he might be our best hitter against righties, right? Like he's a huge part of this lineup. I just think that would be sending a a bad message. Now, I guess, depending on what they'd get, but still like that would be a tough blow if we traded, uh, Jake Fraley. I don't think India is getting traded. Um, I think, uh, the, the reports like that, I think it was more just like they're nobody's untouchable and they were just kind of throwing that out there. So I don't think India is getting traded. I think a left-handed reliever makes a ton of sense. Alex Young's been dynamite. I love I love Alex Young, but I think you need another lefty in there. I think that's been a talking point for a while. I think Brent Suter from Colorado, uh, Moeller, Moeller grad. Um, I think he would make a ton of sense. Um, he's from Cincinnati. Uh, he's had a really good career. He's had a really good year. Uh, I think somebody like that, that, I think the A's have another reliever who's, who's a lefty that is getting a little bit of buzz. I think Sam Mole is his name um some like a left i don't i don't expect a big splash and it's tricky this year at the deadline because there's not a ton of there's not a ton of sellers if there are if you're a seller you don't have a ton to offer the royals have nothing the a's have really nothing i guess maybe paul blackburn uh the white Sox have what like three pitchers three or four pitchers but i think the price the asking price on dylan cease will be too high i don't I don't think the Reds are, are going to move on. As much as I wanted Lucas Giolito, I've kind of, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't expect them to, I don't expect them to go out and get a starter now. I really don't. Like you said, the starting pitching's been better, and when they expect Hunter Green to come back probably in the next two three weeks, I think they'll probably roll with that, and you know, then that'll be unfortunately the end of the Drew, the uh, Dream Weaver. Um, but watch yourself. I know, but it, it's that's that's what it's looking like you know that we got we got to we got to i know what are we 10 and 1 in his last 11 starts or whatever but i when you get hunter green back i mean that's someone's gotta someone's gotta take one for the team Elliot. it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to be our our son luke weaver zach i had a quick question for you about jonathan india how you doing um (laughs) do you think we tied ourselves up at all saying that we're shopping him i feel like we kind of have to trade him at the deadline now waiting for the offseason doesn't seem to make sense to me especially if we don't have the intention of playing him every day the more he sits on the bench the less he plays second base seems to drive his value down what do you think about that i mean i think it's a i think that's a fair point i'm still of the ilk that like we don't have to do anything now right like, i don't think i don't think we have to um i think we're, we're just going to be in this position where someone's not going to play every day that i don't know if they should but if they're going to expect to right whether it be vado ces or you know someone's going to get someone's going to get a day off right like so i think it's just kind of going to be a rotating thing i think david bell you know whether anybody likes to admit it or not has a ton of confidence in jonathan india i think that goes to show you like I don't agree with him hitting third or fifth or wherever, you know, mostly he's been fifth, I guess. Um, I think he should be batting seventh or eighth, but I think he goes to show you. We have, like, they have faith in Jonathan India. I, I know that the rumors are out there. The rumors are out there about, like, they're really shopping him. I'm still going to be, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if he gets traded. I don't know. I, I just think the off season makes a lot of sense. And I know it's going to be different. You know, he's going to arbitration. So that whole thing plays into it. And, you know, it might be a little bit harder, but, I just, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know what, like, 
what the value on Jonathan India is tough because he was the rookie of the year. Big deal on this show. That's a that's a big honor. Right? Not one person year, has cared about that award. Not one person. Everybody acts did. like that award means nothing. Reed hates. Not that just anybody. Means a rookie of the year. I think I think Reed. <laughs> I think Reed thinks. I think that I think Reed thinks the, the rookie of the year award. Just means not. I think it means you're a bad what player. Are you, what are you? What are you supposed to do? Like you win a rookie of the year award, you get a lifetime contract with the yeah. Cincinnati Reds. It's that a, doesn't make any gosh darn sense. That's in the past. That happened two years ago. What is he doing now? Nothing. And he's gonna do nothing going forward. And we have Matt McLean and Ellie De La Cruz in the middle infield. Hmm. Interesting. Here's my question on India, and you guys can feel free to answer this too. I want to let, let's spin. I'm gonna turn the tables a little bit. Do you want to go around the what room, Zach? Uh, <laughs> anyone. Okay. What do we expect to get back for John? Like, if we trade Jonathan India tomorrow, what's the expectation of a return? Because I would want it to be someone who can contribute on this team, right? Like a, a young, controllable starter. But with how he's played in the last like two years, I know last year he was hurt. Can we get that? Like, can we get a starting pitcher that could help us, or could we get like or two star, two like prospect pitching prospects that are solid that might be on the knocking on the big league door, right? So, and I just don't, can we get that for Jonathan Indian? Maybe. I know that Edward Cabrera, someone was thrown out there for Miami, and I don't know, he doesn't do a ton for me, walks way too many guys. I don't know. I think that was just Twitter or X fodder. Um, but <laughs> Correct, Zach. Good, good catch. It's, uh, I just, I, I don't know. What can, what, like, what is your, what are your guys, because I don't want to ship India just for just like, yeah, we're just going to get it. A teenager in the Dominican League and some, just like just to trade him for a, just to get rid of him. Like I'd yeah, want I, something value, and I don't know right now. Like, can we get that for Jonathan India? And here's the and here's the thing: people believe that if you just trade India for nothing, it's still better. That trade actually works because you have no Noel V. Marte coming up, and I disagree with okay. it completely. But to your point. I don't think there's a starting pitcher that you could go India for a starting pitcher straight up. I don't think that I don't think there's a single starting pitcher in Major League Baseball that that goes for. Brother, you ever been on the trade machine? Yeah, I have. Fernando <laughs> Fernando Fernando Cruz is Ty Cobb on the trade machine. But here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. I don't think there's a starting pitcher. I do think they can a get a very good reliever for him, or b like you said, you go to pitching prospects. Jacob Jacob. Yeah, um, I am in the camp that moving Jonathan India is addition by subtraction. I think the team gets better when he's not in the lineup, so the return is not nearly as important to me. Um, but I do think we can get a starting pitcher. I think Michael Kopech is definitely right in that range. Giolito, it's a small package of additional prospects with, with India, and nothing, nothing huge. You know, there's other – I mean, the A's – they just traded Fujinami, who obviously isn't on the same level as Sears or Blackburn, but they just traded Fujinami for like two poker chips to the Lawrenceburg Casino. Like I, I don't know what that deal was. So if they're willing to make deals like that, they'll take Jonathan India for Paul Blackburn in a second. So I, I think I really think we tied ourselves up with announcing that he's or leaking or whatever the right word is, announcing that he's available. I think he absolutely has to be moved at the deadline. When he's not in the, in the infield, Spencer Steers at third base, CES is at first, Noelvi Marte is right there, coming up soon. I think the team's better without him anyway. If you can load up on a couple pitching prospects, I'm fine with that too. I, I don't need major league contributors right now. I think one thing that – I think you're right about – it doesn't – I don't think it really necessarily matters on the package you get back for Jonathan India – but one thing I don't want them to do is like single A pitching prospects, like guys Correct. with I, guys with I a agree. three year window yeah. to to contribute to this team. Okay with right. prospects, but they've got to be, you know, contributing to the team by the yeah. end of next season. Connor Phillips, 
timeline-esque pitching prospects. Sure. I agree. Next, next opening day type level. And we keep talking about pitching prospects. I mean – Outfielders. Right, yeah. I mean, I if, 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 you, if you get a, you know, a, a frame like Bill Benson and an outfield prospect, something along those lines, yeah, sure, why not that either? Speaking of Will Benson, Catch Zach, it. look Catch at this segue, Reed. Speaking of Will Benson, who has impressed you the most this season on this Reds team? Just in general. In general. Or who is who has been who has been the one player that you look back and say this guy was the the number one reason why the Reds were successful? And I know it's a team sport, uh, but I love Will Benson so much because he he really is like there is not how many how many Reds players Elliot have there been where literally it's he looks so lost he's terrible nobody wants anything to do with him after April he's one for twenty five with twenty four strikeouts. And I like like Reed was talking about it. His at bats are just like he has an amazing eye. The power, like Will Benson's been crazy. Now I remember when he got like this was the guy I think that the Reds envisioned. Maybe not to this extent, but like they saw something. He's a really talented kid coming out of high school, a first round pick. But I'm gonna go with Matt McLean. I know J- Jacob talked about it. The, the lineup changed when he came up in Colorado. The lineup changed. The season changed, right? He's just he he flipped the season, and I, I know Ellie's gotten a lot of shine. Ellie's been you know slumping a little bit, but I think Matt McLean has been even just better than I, anybody could have imagined. I'm impressed by him defensively. Um, I think I, I I thought he would be the second, maybe the second baseman of the future, and he still very well could be. But man, I, he's been so good at short. I, I might not mess with it. Like uh, you could feel very comfortable with him at second, third, short. Honestly, Ellie might stay at third, but. Um, I'm, I'm saying Matt McLean. I think Matt McLean, that flipped the season. When he came up, you could tell, like, this lineup's different. Like, this is this is a different yeah. lineup. This is a different team. You could say Abbott, too, really, with, as, a, as a starter. He kind of, I think, steadied the, the starting rotation ship, and I don't know what the our starter ERA has been since he's come up, but um, I would I would go Matt McLean and Edge, though. But Will Benson's the turnaround, I, I don't – we haven't seen – I don't know if we've seen anything like it, quite like that. I, I haven't. From April to July. I don't think there's been a guy like that. Uh, Zach, Zach, I know you're new here, but on the show, we do not insinuate that Ellie De La Cruz will play anything other than shortstop. He is the shortstop <laughs> of the really? future. He will play nowhere else. Hard stance okay. on that. He's the shortstop. I thought so, too. At the beginning. I, that was my thing. I thought he was going to be the – but you, you're tell, I don't know. Yeah, Matt McLean. Shortstop. Okay. All right. Shortstop. Okay. All right. Glad we caught right. That holds it anyway, all right, Zach. Yes, true. Zach, you've said you said earlier on that you don't think the Reds will make the postseason. Does that mean you think a collapse is coming? Do you think do you think a collapse is coming, or do you think the Brewers are just going to win the division? They're going to play phenomenal baseball towards the end of the stretch, and the Reds are just going to tread along for the 500 number, and they're just going to get beaten. They're not going to lose it. They're just going to get beaten. I don't want to say I regret saying what I said. I think it's just going to be, I, I guys, I think it's going to come down to the wire. You think you regret it now? You think you regret it now? Wait till we clip it and put you on Twitter, kid. You're not going to have a <laughs> single follower rough. after that. Gonna Good luck. Rough. It's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough look. I, look, Excellent. I just think, I think it's going to come down to the end. I think we're going to come down. I think the final weekend. I think we're going to be like. I think it'll probably be. We'll be back and forth. I just go back to. The starting pitching, their starting pitching just worries me. When they get Woodruff back, they're going to have Woodruff, Burns, uh, Peralta. That's a tough – I know Peralta hasn't pitched great. 
Um, but that, that's a tough top three. And then the back end of their bullpen's been money. Um, and not the red, that the Reds' bullpen's bad at all because it's been great. But I just – that's my worry. I know they can't hit. I know they can't hit. I think – I just think – we talk about, like, the Brewers stink, and I, I listen to that whole thing. And I kind of – I know what Elliot's saying. Like, I, like, it just feels like they aren't that great, you know. They're not invincible. I just think these – they are kind of the inverse of each other, like Reed said. And I just give the Brewers starting pitching to me. I can't get over it just like that. I give them the slightest of edges because of that. I think their starting pitching is a little bit better, or is is better. It's better, and um, I think their their lineup is. I think it's bad, but I think you know you go on you know two week stretches, a couple week weeks you get hot, and I think that's probably just going to be the difference by a game or two. I think this thing's going to come down to the edge. I mean, we could still get it's still the wild card's still on the table, but I just think when you have all those teams, the Phillies. I think are pretty good. Um, I'm not too worried about. I'm not too worried about Arizona, but um, I think I think we're going to be like. I think it's going to be a game or two. I really do. I think this is coming down to a game or two, and I'm going to get. I, I don't even know if I want to look at the chat. I, the, I'm going to get. I wouldn't I look at it. I don't. Even, I wouldn't look at I think, it. I think I'm going to get a Zach break. Freeze. Yeah, what's your Twitter handle, Zach? What's well, your... pump the blog too, Zach. Freezy Freezy twenty seven on uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, the word. Uh, check it out. I've got a, we've had a couple. Uh, I, I got to get working on a blog, Paul. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a blog for you, hopefully in the next uh, couple days. But Zach uh, just had a conversation yeah, with Ryan Lavarnway. Ryan Lavarnway, right? Oh my Zach? God, no way! I have a foul ball from Ryan Lavarnway from when I was like ten years old. Really? Holy and cow, I'm, Paul! No way! At a minor league baseball game. <laughs> what the? Well, that's a name I haven't uh, heard in like 15 years. What happened to him? Never, what is he doing right now? Never, for, you'll never be, forget. Never forget to find out if you watch the, the video. Yeah. How about that plug? <laughs> How about plug. that plug? Yeah. The Ryan, plug. the Ryan Lavarnway Reds game was one of my favorite Reds games of all time. They lost that game. I think they were were they up yeah. 10 runs in that game, or nine runs? They were up like seven to two. They had the 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 real tough 10 run inning. The Cardinals had a 10 run inning in the sixth. I laughed after that. <laughs> Jared Hughes gave up a grand slam to Jose Martinez in the sixth, and I was like, "I'm leave. We're done. I'm out." <laughs> I left. Yeah, the oh, ten run, the ten run six. Yeah, I, I, I think if you look at this Reds team right now, the wild cards, some of the wild cards of this team: T.J. Friedel, Jake Fraley, Spencer Steer. I thought T.J. Friedel was going to be a fifth outfielder coming into this season. I thought he was a bum, respectfully. I thought Jake Fraley was a decent player. I thought he was going to have power. I was, I was high on, I was decently high on Jake Fraley, and then I was. Pretty, pretty out on Spencer Steer. I didn't believe in Spencer Steer. I have been proven wrong on every single one of those, except for I guess I was technically right on Fraley. Credit me. How much of these guys? How much of these guys meant to this team? Oh, they've been huge. Uh, well, I, we talked about Fraley. You guys want to ship him off to the Cubs for you know whatever. <laughs> um, I, I Fraley's. I, I think Fraley might be our best hitter against righties. He's one. He's right there. Um, Friedel's been great. Um, he's a guy that. Again, I thought he would be a fourth outfielder like you. I didn't. I wasn't expecting much from T.J. Friedel. I know he had a hot end of the season, but yeah, I mean, he's. I know he's cooled off a little bit, but I mean, what, yeah. What else? What else can you expect? I liked Spencer Steer a lot coming into the season. I know he's slowed down a little bit, but I, I have a lot of faith in him too. He's. I think you guys have mentioned it a lot on the show. It, to me, the biggest part of Spencer Steer what makes him so valuable. He can play. He's played anywhere, and he's. You know, been serviceable. Um, but, he, you know, when you have a guy like that, he's played third. He's played first. He's played left. He can play right. 
that's huge. I mean, that's massive. When you have a guy with that much versatility and um, he provided like that, that, uh, that walked off against the Padres, which was electric. Um, yeah. I've, Spencer Steers been great. Those guys have been a huge part of this too. You know, I know Matt McClain and Ellie will, will get up and Andrew Abbott, rightfully so they'll get a lot of the shine, but you can't, I mean, the, those guys have, have been a part of this. They've, those guys have been a huge part of this. They've come up with huge hits and, and you know, how many, big moments like we've had this year and Jake Fraley's hit big home run. You know, the home run on was that Saturday he, he hit was huge. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, it's just been up and down the lineup, right? Like up and down the lineup. Those three have been just, just as important as just, you know, anybody else. I think Zach, I, I hate to keep being this guy, but uh, yeah, you don't like trading Fraley. Yeah. You think there's any merit to trading TJ Friedel? Oh no. Oh no. He, he, he started the season so hot. He's a little older. He's 27. He's starting his major league career late. The numbers are way higher than any metric says they should be. He's coming back to earth. If a team's willing to yeah. pay, you, would you even consider Man, you it? You guys love trade. You oh, guys I love to trade. Can we let a guy, can we let a guy like go through a struggle and, you know, it'll slump a little bit. No trade. He's going not, to not this in the, the deadline. The south side of Chicago. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, it could look. I'm I'm never gonna. I guess I'll never say never. Like if 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 a team comes with a, you know, if we get a controllable starting pitcher, then maybe yeah, I, I'd be open to it. But I again, I don't. I don't really see it. I'm not like actively like we gotta get. But we're shipping Friedel. He's gone. Yeah, a little inside like, baseball. I have a friend like, that's a Padres fan, and he texted me and said, is there any chance we could get TJ Friedel? Oh, no. And I, okay. my eyes are on Blake Snell. <laughs> so this is – so these are – this is these are, this is why you're in a trade. You just got, like – you just got buddies. Like, hey, can I – can we get Matt They, they want TJ Friedel. I'll give him TJ Friedel. Listen, Zach, this guy has insiders all around the country. He works very closely with Nick yeah. Saban. I, I can't even imagine – I can't even imagine the contact listeners in his phone – you look around the NL yeah. Central, Zach. You said the Reds will finish second to the Brewers. What about the rest of the three yeah. teams? How do they finish? Because I, I have been saying from the beginning that you can't rule out the Cardinals. Zach is, Zach is with me on this. I know it. I still think the Cardinals end up finishing third, and I think the Poverty Cubs finish fourth, and I think the Pirates finish fifth. What are your thoughts on this, Zach? I think the, <laughs> uh, I think the Cubs are going to finish third. I know that will warm Reed's heart a little bit. Um, I think the Cubs finished third. Um, the Cardinals, I wanted to be scared of them, but I think they just suck. I think they're just terrible. Um, their pitching's awful. We, me and Elliot have talked about, like, Wainwright, when it's Wainwright Day, they're just taking losses. It's like they're okay with the <laughs> loss on Wainwright Day. Um, I think the Pirates are, are terrible. Um, they'll finish fifth. I think the Cubs will probably, like, they might, they might have a little bit of a push in them. We'll see, though. I don't know what the Cubs do with with Bellinger and and Stroman. Like that's going to be big. They might if they sell those guys off, and maybe you could. I guess I could be talking to them finishing fourth. But I think the Cardinals. I want to like. I know deep down, like I should still be worried, but I think they just suck. I don't think they're good. They they have talent, but they're going to sell off probably Flaherty or what uh, maybe Hicks or something like that. So I'm not I'm not too worried about the Cardinals. I think. I'm, I'm, I don't want to give him the done chain, but it's, we're, we're right there. We're, we're basically there. That's fair. All right. We're going to sw- transition a little bit here to UC. I know you are the biggest UC fan of all time. That's in your bio, I'm yep. pretty sure. UC football is about to get going. Where do you predict mm-hmm. this team to finish? 
The, the number is four oh. and a half. The number is four and a half. I'm killing the under. I'm destroying the under. I think it's going to be a rude awakening. Zach? You're taking the under? Really? Taking the under. Taking the under. I would see. I don't know. If I had to bet it, uh, I would bet the over. I would say, look, five, five, six wins. Five or six wins. I think that's about right. It, they, it feels like a five and a half win team. Five and a half, six wins. Um it's a lot just everything's new on offense right that's the biggest thing um every you you have a new offense you have an uh emory jones at quarterback the o-line was bad last year you have one returning starter then a bunch of new faces the the receiver room there's one guy that came back so i think it's going to be tough but i think the schedule is manageable they did whoever the big 12 did them a favor i don't know who like they avoided texas they avoid tcu they avoid kansas state that's huge. And they get they play Oklahoma. It's at Nippert. Not expecting to win that one. But you play games that, you know, you play Iowa State and Baylor and West Virginia and Kansas. Like, those are probably toss-up games. Like, it's probably – those spreads will probably be like three or four points either way. And I think we could win two of those maybe. Um, so who they'll, are, they'll beat Miami, BKU. I was going to say, so they're going to beat yeah. Miami. They're going to beat one of those yeah. useless Kentucky schools. I don't know how these schools all have like a direction, yeah. Western, Eastern, Northern, yeah. Southern. It doesn't even matter. They're just, they're, they're just in Kentucky. They can all just be one school. We combine them. Uh, they're going to beat them. Who are the three conference wins mm-hmm. that you see? Who, who are the three conference games that you feel confident that the Bearcats can beat? None of them, but if you made me pick. Uh, West Virginia, I think, is going to be terrible. West Virginia is going to be really bad. Uh, the, the other, if you – I would say Iowa State, I think we win. And then I'll say Kansas. Although Kansas is probably going to be better than people think. They were they were they had six wins last year, which is a lot for them. Uh they they got a really good quarterback. Um Kansas is going to be tough. I'll take I'll say those for sure. And then you could maybe sway me on Baylor. That that'll be that'll be a I think a close one, but those are the five. I think those are the five games if I had to you, say right now. That's a heinous prediction, Zach. <laughs> Absolutely heinous you, prediction. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with the prediction? You, the fact that you're even wavering on Baylor is, is absolutely crazy. Baylor is going to stomp you UC. I, you I think, think so? UC wins like three games this year. And All one right. of those is not Miami, Ohio. And Zach, you need to listen to this guy again. He works very – he's the assistant – He's the assistant defensive coordinator at Alabama. He works very closely with Nick Saban. And he's also an Ohio State fan. So it's kind of a double trouble oh, situation yeah. there. So his, okay, his opinion okay. means more that. than ours. His opinion means way more than everybody in this room. Go Ohio State, go. Go Alabama, go. I hope you have a successful season this year, Jacob. Uh, you look at Scott Satterfield, Zach. I think Scott Satterfield was a bad hire. I think it's a bad hire. Mm-hmm. I don't think it moves the needle. I think there were better options available. I don't think he had a ton of success in college football. I think the, the, his last team begged him to leave. I don't think this is a good hire. What say you? It was not. I, when I woke up to the news that we hired Scott Satterfield in December, I was not thrilled. Um, I, it wasn't like, I don't know. You're right. It, it wasn't a sexy hire. I don't think it's a great hire. But at the end of the day, I'm going to give him a fair shake. Right. Like I'm going to be like, I'm going to give him a shot. He'll get three years. Right. That's just kind of how it'll go. Um, it isn't great that Louisville is throwing parades when he, you know, was took this job that it's that that doesn't that doesn't bode well, I don't think. But I think he's recruited well so far. And that's that's been exciting. But you're, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I'm not like he's got to prove it to me. Like, like, I feel like um, the fickle thing, like I was more on board with that. And then the, the, he had to clean up that Tuberville disaster. So he got yep. a little bit of a pass. But 
Uh, yeah, he'll have to show. I think he'll have to prove it to me. Like, I'll have to see. Like, if they would have to win, like, seven or eight games for me to sell. Like, if they won seven or eight games this year, I'd be thrilled. And I think he would get uh, – I think he'd deserve a ton of credit. I'd be he, – he'd probably win me over entirely. But I'm not, like – I'm not, like, totally, like, against anti-Scott Satterfield. I, I think I, – I could see this working out. Like, I don't think he'll – you know, I don't think we're going to the college football playoff or anything like that in, in his tenure. But – you never know. I'm going to give him a fair shot. And I think, you know, that's, that's all you can do. We'll, we'll give him a couple of years. If he stinks, we'll, you know, we've recovered before, you know, Tommy Tuberville lit the program on fire and, you know, yep. we've, we've recovered. So, yep. you know, I'm not jazzed up, but I think it's still like, you give him a shot. Let's see what happens. Do you think Let's Evan, Pra do you think Evan Prater receives a standing ovation when he gets a touchdown on an end around for the first time this season? I like I like what you did. I, I like Evan Prater moving to receiver. I know, yeah. like I actually think that's I think it's good for him. I, I think it's good it's for like him. Matt I don't Saracen know. and I Matt Saracen in Friday Night Lights season three. Dude led him to a championship as a as a receiver, and then in the big game he came in as quarterback. I don't know. Could be know, similar. Could be similar. As you know, as you know, I didn't make it that far in Friday Night Lights. No, um, Zach Zach stopped <laughs> Zach stopped right after Landry murdered that guy in season two. Shout out to the yeah. writer strike. No no Friday Night Light fans in here. No, no. Movie. We like good TV. Movie's good. We the like movie's good TV shows. Movie's great. Yeah, I mean wow. this sucks in here. I mean this is just terrible. Speaking of prove it, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of prove it year, Zach, I think it's a prove it year yeah. for Wes Miller. I think this is the most okay. excited. This is the most excited I've been for UC basketball in a very long time. You get to play teams like yeah. Kansas, Texas, just juggernauts in the college basketball field. How do you think Wes Miller is going to fare this season? I'm actually really optimistic about this. I know it's kind of strange. We lost Landers Nolly. We lost David Julius. And how do you, um, you know, how do you replace that? Well, I mean, I think Aziz Bandango was a huge get for them. Um, they, they needed a rim protector. Last year, they were a little bit better. Two years ago, it was terrible. Um, but last year, um, they needed rim protection. Vic did the best he could. But Aziz Bandango is going to change this team defensively at the rim. I mean, that, that's going to be – I'm excited to see the front court. With him, Vic, they added Jamil Reynolds, who I think is going to add something, especially on the offensive end, too. Um, and then, I, I, look, I, I think he did a really good job this offseason in, in the transfer portal with guys like Seamus Lacocious. Paul knows him really well. Um, he's uh, He was good at Butler, good player. How will he fare defensively? You worry a little bit. But I think he's a skilled – I think he's a skilled guy. He can play the – I don't know if he'll be on the three. I think he'll play the three. Um and then you have C.J. Frederick, who I think expectations are probably got to be tempered just because we haven't seen the best C.J. Frederick in three years since he was at Iowa. He had the, a bunch of injuries at Kentucky. I, I just worry about his health more than anything. Um, but I, I'm optimistic. I, I'm excited about the point guards. I know they haven't played, you know, they haven't played a minute of D1 basketball, but um, – Davion Thomas, uh, he looks – I mean, this is this is going to be a wild take. This is going to be great uh, analytics here. He looks fast. He just looks fast, right? <laughs> um, he's, well, him and Jizzles looks like a linebacker. Like, he's built uh, He's built like a linebacker. But those, those are the styles of point guards that Wes Miller likes, though, like the guys that can – and they haven't had that yet. Dave, David Julius is great, love Dave, but he's kind of a, a step-back guy. He's not a guy that can break you down and get to the rim. I think they're going to be able to do that, which is going to be huge for this team offensively. I mean, the, the when, you have a guy, when you have Thomas Jizzle, like I think that'll help a lot. You'll see a West Miller offense. Like this is going to be the first year that you'll see that style of offense. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm optimistic. 
Actually. The two big names UC fans have been pumped about for a long time were Jizzle and Rayvon. Um, what kind of what kind yeah. of impact do you expect those two guys to have? So I think with Rayvon, I don't think he's going to play a ton. Uh, I think you have you know you, you have, we have a lot of experience on the wing, right? You have uh, you have CJ and Seamus Lukosius that'll probably play a lot, and then Dan Skillings is a is a guy who flashed quite a bit. He had the big game against Temple in the uh, AAC tournament. He's another guy who's going to be huge, probably coming off the bench. So I think Ray is going to be buried a little bit. I, I could see him maybe sticking in there for five to ten minutes a game, but I don't think he's going to play a ton. Jizzle's going to play. He's going to play probably – I would say Davion Thomas is probably going to start um, just because the experience in Juco. Um, but I think Jizzle's going to play. I think he'll have an impact. I think he's probably going to play 15, 20 minutes a game. I think he's going to be – I, I, I'm excited about Jizzle James. I, I, I expect him to play a lot. Um, and, and, you know, there'll be growing pains, especially going in the Big 12. When you got a freshman, you know, a guy who, you know, we got two point guards that have never played D1 basketball. So that's going to be a challenge. But I'm excited about it. Jizzle's the guy, I think, over, over Rayvon that's going to play play more minutes for sure Rel relative to what people thought Rayvon Griffith was going to be when you watched him in high school he kind yeah. of fell off yeah yeah a little bit yeah yeah I mean we'll I mean I, I, I mean he had yeah, he yeah. had his ceiling was so high the expectations for him when he was going to commit especially as like a sophomore he was playing on the same AAU team as uh Bronny James I mean he was all over the place and getting national acclaim right. and everything and they kind of had a tough summer last year I think it was and you know, I mean, he's still yeah. he's still a good prospect, but he's not what a guy like Chisel James is. And then, yeah, Day Day Thomas, we'll see. Excited about Day Day yeah. Thomas. Knew I, a little out of him. And you, and you touched on this name, Zach, but Paul's very best friend in the whole wide world, Rick Broering. He came on and he yeah. said, "Congratulations, Dan, Rick! Congratulations, congratulations, Rick! Um, Dan yeah. Skillings could be a guy that could take over this team, but I also think he's a guy that could play like five minutes a game because it's just not working. What do you see for Dan Skillings yeah. this season?" Yeah, I, I like Dan Skillings a lot. I, I think Dan Skillings, when you look at that guy, I, I just think he's the the athletic profile. He's his arms. I mean, when he goes up for a rebound, you're gonna lose. Like he's he's that athletic. Um, I, I I'm I'm optimistic about Dan Skillings. I know what you mean though. Like there were some games where he was just kind of, and he was a freshman. Like yeah, he he had a couple of bad series defensively times down the floor, and he had to get pulled out. You know, and that happens with freshmen. I think it's going to – I would lean towards – I think Dan's going to be a rotational guy this year. I, I don't think he'll play less than like 15 minutes a game or anything like that. Uh, I think consistency with his jump shot. We saw it last year. He started so terribly shooting the ball. And, again, freshmen don't typically shoot the ball well from three, but it was it was rough. He, he got off to a really bad start. And then as the season went on, I think he got better and better. He got more confident. I think you, what you saw in that Temple game – in the in the AAC tournament, he blew up like he was amazing in that game. I think he is not like that good, but I think he's gonna. I think he's a ro this year at least. I think he's a rotational guy. I think you hope he takes a step with the shot. Um, and I, I think he's like he's so long that he's gonna get better defensively. I, I think I think he's gonna be a good player on this team. I think he's probably a like I said, probably sixth seventh man. Um, I, I think he'll help the team though. I don't I don't think it'll be like a you know, only play two, three minutes a game, and then you know, just like a, a just fodder at the end of the bench. I think he'll, I think he'll have an impact. When you say though, Elliot, and I'm curious to, to both of you guys, when yeah. you say it's a prove it year for West Miller, like what it, what exactly do you mean by that? Because 
I know he hasn't, you know, haven't made the tournament. You got to win a shootout. You got to make the tournament at some point to like just credibility with the fan base and everything else. But you get this recruiting class in that is his best recruiting class that you see. You join the Big Twelve. You get these guys out of the transfer portal. You get, you know, you go get Day Day Thomas, and you hope that Dan Skillings is somebody that you can count on. I don't know if he is, but you hope that he is. Sure. So, like, if if you see loses the shootout this year and doesn't make the tournament, I mean, you're not firing him. No, no. And my, I think my point was Wes Miller, and, and Wes Miller was given an impossible situation. The guy previous, I won't even mention his name. He lit a torch to the program and wasn't giving guys like water at practice. So I, I think he came in. Half the team wanted to leave the city, leave the country. One guy did leave the country. One guy sold his car and left the country. So I, I think he was given an impossible task. But to this point, Wes Miller has not really had a very good season. Last year was a big-time struggle towards the end of games where it was like UC is going to choke every single game they have. That's like That seems to be coaching to me. That seems to be lack of coaching when you are winning the entire game and you get to the last three minutes and it's just turnovers and banked threes off the side of the glass by Davenport. I think there is, a, there is merit to him having to prove something this season. And it's going to be tough. I was going to ask Zach this next, how many conference wins yeah. he thinks UC is going to have this year. But I, I, I think Wes Miller, I, I'm okay with a losing season this year. I'm okay, I'm okay if, he, if he struggles. But at the end of the day, he has to show me something. I don't know what that something is. Maybe a couple big wins. Maybe a couple road wins. Just something where he can show me that he is taking a very good recruiting class and kind of knowing what, what he's doing out there. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, I, I, look, wait, Zach. Before before you before before you answer that question, because if you look at how Xavier stacks up this year, right? I mean, this is very much a transitional year for Xavier, and you know, Rick and I have talked about this. This Xavier is probably not going to be as down as they are on paper this year as they will be for a long time. Because you had guys last year on Xavier that were coming back from the end of Travis Steele's era. But you look at Kunkel, Colby Jones, Jack Nungy, all those guys are gone, right? Now you, you, you get these Conference USA guys in here. You get some transfers. You have a decent freshman class. Who knows if Jerome Hunter is going to be healthy enough to play. This seems like the year for UC that if and for the last 22 years, if you're going to win at the Cintas Center – this would be the opportunity to do it. If UC loses to Xavier this year, you go under 500 in conference play because you don't have home games against the big dogs. You have to go to Kansas. You have to go to uh, Texas Tech. You have to go to Baylor. Those teams aren't coming here that at least maybe you get those teams at home. Like, the toughest games in the Big 12 are all on the road. I, I, it's tough for me to sit there and say you can expect a ton out of UC, but at the same time, you're not firing him at the end of no. this year if you, unless it's like abysmal, unless it's like it's terrible and, and things devolve and things go really down the tubes. But Wes, you got, I think to your point, Elliot, you kind of got to, you got to see something. I just don't know what that something is or what it, or, or better, better yet, what that something is and realistically to expect. And I, and I know you, Wes Miller can't make guys make shots. It's just not how it works in college basketball. But when you're playing NKU, I expect something to be in the game plan where you can score more than 10 points and a half, right? <laughs> hey, like that, well, 11, 11, give at, yourself some credit. At some point, at some point, at some point, something has to be in the game plan. We're like, all right, we're 10 minutes into this half. We have one point. Maybe let's draw something up. There's oh, just, come on. There's just points. 
Casey, NKU sucks. Oh, the North Wales beat Houston. And I say Give that. Wait a minute. I, I say that with love and respect. There's no. There. There is no shame in losing to NKU. They there is the Houston. most. There's shame no shame at all. No the shame. college basketball world laughed when we lost that game. But Zach, go ahead. It's a tough that NKU matchup zone. That's tough. Um, yeah, it is. I think. Uh, look, I think. Like like Paul was saying, like I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't like the. They have to make the tournament or else. Like I don't. I don't like that kind of stuff. I, I think you got to like see how it plays out. But I think there is something to be said in terms of a prove it year. Like they can't be bad. Like they can't be really bad in the conference. I think they've got to prove that. Like okay, we got to look back at this season and be like, all right, we can compete in this league. Like we're not going to be obviously Kansas and Houston are going to be in the upper echelon of the league. But like we're up in that middle-ish tier with like Oklahoma State. Can't you know? Kansas State, well, you know, Kansas State actually might be really good, but you know, the you know what I mean, like the middle. We got to be kind of like trending, like we got to feel like we're not down there with UCF and, and the dregs of the league. We got to feel like, all right, like we're we're in the kind of we feel pretty good that we'll be able to like get into the middle of this league. And and I know that might be you know that's it's so broad, but like just like look like a competitive, you know, whether that be I don't know seven eight conference wins. I think it's going to be harder for harder then people realize for this team to make the NCAA tournament, not just because the league is going to be a gauntlet, but they're going to play a terrible non-conference schedule. And it's going to be awful. And I don't really fault them for it a ton because of how tough the league is going to be. I wish they would maybe add a couple, you know, maybe add a game at home against the, you know, at least a decent, I don't know, power five, or at least maybe high level mid-major. But uh, I just I think it's going to be tougher than people realize to make the NCAA tournament. Not like I'm not going to sit here and be like pissed off if they you know miss the tournament this year. I, I want to see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, like I think the I think expectations are we got to see like it it is kind of a prove year in terms of we want to see this team be competitive, maybe trending towards the middle of the league. Um, look like all right, we can contend with the. We're, we're on the same footing as the West Virginias, the Oklahoma States, and we're not, you know, I think UCF's going to be pretty bad. We're, we're, we're definitely definitively above them and maybe whoever else might be below us, but maybe we'll be that team. I, I don't think we will be. I, I, we, I think UC will be probably ninth, tenth in this league. I think, it'll be, I think it'll be an uphill battle to make the tournament, though. I think it'll be tough. Yeah, and this is my last point, Zach, and I'll let you go. Um, or not my last point, but my last question for you. The TBT, it's a tournament that I don't care about one bit. <laughs> but the UC basketball, the uh, what are Nasty Natty, they've been pretty good. Yes, they've been pretty good. They beat that team on at, at Norwood. They beat them at home. It's kind of embarrassing for them. Another Final Four that just eludes the Xavier, yeah. the Xavier fan base. Uh, do you think the, the Nasty Natty team can maybe make a run at this thing, maybe win the championship, maybe win the big prize? Going for that elusive seventh Final Four, huh? Uh, yeah. No, I, I, it's been fun. Like, I haven't – like you, like, I don't care, like, that much. But it's been cool to see, like, you know, Jacob Evans and, you know, Jaron Cumberland do their thing. They've been they've been really good. Um, I'll tune in and watch the, the Elite Eight game for sure. But I, I haven't caught a ton of it. But it's it's cool to just, like, turn on and, like, see, oh, you know, there's Troy Copain. And, you know, you grew up watching Troy Copain and Jacob – like, that aspect's really cool, but like I don't, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and pop a champagne bottle if we if we win the TBT. Good for those guys; it'd be great. But I mean, it's it like I'll I'll watch the next game. I'll I'll be I'll be it'll be on, but I'm not gonna be like 
hanging on every hanging on every basket, you know. Yeah, it'll be on the second but TV. It'll be thing. it'll be on the second TV. Maybe <laughs> yeah. a box score. Do they have box scores for that? Yeah. Do they keep like stats know. and stuff? Oh, for oh yeah. That? Do they? We had five stat guys at the game the other night. Really? Oh, it could, yeah, because yeah. it's run. The, the media table, it's it's a fully, yeah, it was a fully staffed media table, like a full, it, it was wild. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a it's like a regular, you know what I will say about that is it's cool when the teams care. Like in, in this event, sure. it's very clear like five minutes into the game when teams care. And last year, it was abundantly obvious that UC's team didn't care. On the flip side, this year, it was very clear right away that they cared. Cashmere Wright, it's cool. It was cool watching him coach. Jerron Cumberland played way better than I ever remember him playing at UC. Jacob Evans has been playing very well. And then that kid that's not that wasn't even a UC kid, that Montez Ellis or whatever his name was, that wasn't even a UC guy, was just born from here or yeah. from here, born here, whatever. He was playing. I mean, it was fun. It was fun watching those guys play. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think a, a more fun tournament idea would be every college, you put your name in a hat and we have a draft. And every college drafts a team, and we just do a 300 and whatever team March Madness, but we do it right now, like TBT. We just throw away the TBT. That's my <laughs> idea. You like that idea, Paul? Flesh that out a little bit. Okay, so yeah. like you see, every every guy or girl, anybody who wants to participate, they put their name in a hat. You see drafts of a team of five just randomly. They could be bad, they can be terrible, they may, maybe I don't know, but every team does it. Every school does it. They play a 360 mega tournament. Winner gets $2 million. It's like America's Got Talent. They'll film the whole thing. And then, yeah, so I think that would be much better than the TBT. Thoughts? That's an idea. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, it sure is. That's how my brain works. Zach, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, I, I assume I'll see you tonight at Trivia. Yeah, yeah. Wednesdays we play Trivia. I'm excited for it. Wednesdays we play Trivia. Good to see all you guys. Good to see all your faces. And um, I got to get blog, uh, blog boy. The blogs aren't going to write themselves. So blog That's boy. Right, boy. Chatterboxsports.com. Yeah. Chatterboxsports.com. Go check out Zach. Check out. Zach, Zach, thank you, brother. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. All right. That was Zach. We got 27 minutes left, Elliot. Steer the ship. Yeah, we, got, we have to do the Ham and Eggers. I can't wait to do that. I'm going to wait for just a second to do that. Uh, first. Paul can't do that. Paul's got to go to the bathroom. Okay, go ahead, Paul. Uh, so first, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do this real quick. Justin Herbert. He has signed a five-year deal, $262 million, ties, ties into the franchise through 2029. $100 million is up front, 218 guaranteed. Aaron Rodgers revised his contract, $1.165 million this year, and then $107.55 million next year. That was the original contract. We yeah. don't know what the revision was. Okay. Just clarify. Okay. Uh, so they've revised Aaron Rodgers. The, the, the big one is Herbert. I don't – I mean, obviously the Chargers had to do it. The Chargers had to give that number. And I think this is going to not hurt the Bengals because you know you had to open the checkbook for Burrow. But when you wait for contracts like this, it's going to hurt you in the, with, in the checkbook eventually, right? I don't think so. I don't think the clock for Burrow's contract started until Herbert signed his anyway. Really? Uh, I don't take Joe Herbert to be an idiot, and he would be to sign his contract before Justin Herbert. So, I mean, Justin Herbert's never won a playoff game. He is now – Either the first or second, depends on how the structure is set up. He's either the first or second highest paid quarterback in the league without a playoff win. Joe Burrow's been to an AFC championship at a Super Bowl in the same amount of time. And he had a reconstructive knee surgery. So, I mean, I, I think we're probably walking up to Joe Burrow today, tomorrow, maybe the next day with $55 million a year and saying, hey, you want to be the highest paid quarterback in the league? And I'm pretty sure he's going to say yes. And I bet we have a contract done by the season. Do you expect a similar time frame? Do you expect a five-year deal? 
I do. Uh, I'm still holding out hope. I have a dream of a seven-year deal. I don't think it's going to happen. Again, I, it's, not, it's not smart for Burrow. I mean, you can reassess in five years and make more money. Yep. Um, I, I'm, I'm more than okay with a five-year deal. I mean, it's not a five-year deal. Under $60 million, I'll be a happy, happy little boy. Oh. <laughs> I, Casey, you've been quiet. This is Bengals talk. Are you disappointed that the Bengals didn't sign Burrow before Herbert? No, no. I mean, just reiterating what Jacob said. I mean, th this is smart business decision by Joe to just wait. And uh, he's definitely going to be the highest paid quarterback. And he seems so confident that his contract situation and the rest of the team's contract situations will work out. So I'm not worried at all. I'm not upset at all. I think he deserves probably 55 a year, which would be definitely a, a, a bigger uh, amount. I think it's like somewhere like 300 million in that five-year deal and that and if you want to give another five-year contract to him um and not to mention too it, it is added onto what he has already it's not like he starts that five-year contract today it's he gets the extra two year or he gets that extra fifth year option added on so it kind of helps spread out some of those cap hits as well so it's not the end of the world yeah. And your guy, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has got a little, restru a little restructure there. Oh, do, you think that, that was, that... do you think that's because they heard yesterday's segment on you saying Geno Smith is a top two quarterback in the National Football League of all time? Well, I didn't say he was a top two quarterback. Let's clarify. I said top ten for Geno Smith. But the Aaron Rodgers thing, I had no idea how ridiculous that was. $107 million in 2024. I mean, that's like – that's bonkers. It's, it's insane. I, I've never – ever heard of a, a cap hit being a hundred yeah like, it's, it's just it's insane what's uh, michael thomas's the saints receiver yeah well, isn't it's his not, i don't think it's isn't it like crazy high for a wide receiver or like maybe it, it was like 60 or something like like uh, yeah for one for one year yeah like it was a huge day they just kept pushing it off and that's coming up yep 60 60.5 guaranteed that's this insane year. that's also that's also insane uh, the, the one thing I did want to say about Burrow's contract before we completely moved on, people hear that number 55 and freak out. They're like, oh, you can't sign weapons paying a quarterback $55 million, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's all about the structure. You can pay him $60 million a year, and it wouldn't matter if you structure it correctly. Justin Herbert's getting $100 million before this season starts. His cap hit, he's making 50, what is it, $52.5, $53 million a year. Yep. His cap hit's not even going to be in the high 40s. Because he's getting all this money up front. It's basically the same deal we did with Orlando Brown, just on a bigger scale because it's a quarterback. You give him all the cash up front, you lessen the cap hit down the road. T. Higgins' contract wouldn't even hit until a year after, hypothetically. So you, would, you wouldn't have those, con those cap hits lined up. Jamar Chase is another year after that. So if, you, if we structure these correctly, it won't be that hard. I mean, obviously, it's a struggle. You have two $30 million receivers and a $55 million quarterback. That's never easy. But this, the salary cap's a joke. I mean, we, we know is. what the NFL does with the salary cap. The Saints have been in cap hell for five years now and somehow always sign someone new. So I'm not really worried about it. I, I think it's going to be fine. Do you think it's a sense of relief now, Reed? Do you think it's a sense of relief that we know the number, we know what Herbert's getting, we know the number, we, we have to, you know, tread around? Do you think it makes you feel better right now? It will make me feel better once pen is to paper. All right. Like once we know Joe Burrow's here long term, which we already know that, it's just the, the deal. But yeah, it, it is a slight sense of relief. 
And and the thing that you got to keep looking is is the salary cap's going to keep going up. Right. So the the, the, the sooner that you you income to a long term deal, the better it is because on the back end, it's not going to be as big of a hit. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one suggestion people keep throwing out there that I absolutely oh, hate God, it's is terrible. the percentage of the salary cap. Right, I think that's the absolute terrifying. worst thing you could possibly do. That's the one situation where I wouldn't even want to bring back Joe Burrow with a percentage of the salary cap. I wouldn't want to bring back any quarterback in the league with a percentage of the salary cap. That's just handicapping your team for years to come. You have no idea what they're making until the year basically starts. You can't make moves in the offseason. You can't re-sign other people because it's just a question mark every single year. I think that's a horrible move. The only way it would make sense for the Bengals to do a percentage of the salary cap is if he wasn't making top dollar the right. first year. Like right. if he's like making 19% of the salary cap, that's 40-something million. I mean, if, if he's willing to take top 15 quarterback money in terms of a salary cap, then that's a different conversation. But that goes back to my first point. I don't think Joe Burrow's trying to you know, stick it to the Bengals or anything like that. I think he's going to be very happy to sign the richest five-year quarterback deal in the history of the league. Do you okay? Now let me ask you this, and then I'll, and then we'll go to the Ham and Eggers. Right now, Joe Burrow is on pace to be the, the highest-paid quarterback in the history of the league. Yeah, no question. Do you think there's a chance in his mind? And I know this has been a debate, and we've had this debate. Do you think there's a chance in, in your mind, in, in, in a chance in his mind? Excuse me, sorry, stutter. That he's like, you know what? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a team-friendly deal. Yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked if he matches Herbert's deal. Right there, and then you know, fifty, whatever, and then we can mess around with the with the signing bonuses and stuff like that. I do not think he goes below Justin Herbert, and that's not a money thing. Yeah, that's an I've been to a Super Bowl and an AFC Championship. This guy hasn't done anything, and you're paying him that much money. I think it's just pride. I mean, you see that in most of the contracts anyway. These guys don't need the dollars. That you know, at least the big names, they've already made their money. Correct. You know, they, it's a pride thing, and I, I think he wants to be paid like the quarterback he is, and that's more than fair. That's fair. All right, and now we will go to the Ham and Eggers. I hear Mr. President is here. Mr. President, why don't you take it away? Thanks, it's Elliot. that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Well, we're talking about Joe Burrow. We're talking about the Bengals. And the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. That's correct, Casey. You can visit Encore.tech because that is where the path to innovation begins. Also, uh, Pawnee Water. We just got a couple of pallets of Pawnee Water. Thank you to the Pawnee Water guys. We appreciate it. Pawnee Water, it's the best tasting water in the world. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. And the result, like I said, is the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy it. Drink Pawnee Water, get your coffee from UDF, bet with Betfred, and get your technology solutions from Encore. Bet with Betfred. The Reds are underdogs today, plus 115. I'm already locked in. Wow. Not that we have to get in the vault right now, but I'm already locked in. Reds going for the series win. I said they'd have a half game lead at the end of this series. I'm putting my money literally where my mouth is. Well, I guess money's not in That's my mouth, but you know what yeah. I mean. You know what I mean. I use the word literally wrong, and I hate when people do that, but I just did it. I'm sorry. The Reds plus 115 today. 210. 210. 210. We're going to be able to watch it in the studio. We're going to go to our lunch. We're going to come back. Right we're gonna about watch 210. The, we're going we're gonna to watch the Reds. <laughs> 
We're going to watch the Reds. Zach Fries, great blogger, chatterboxsports.com, the word. Uh, there are more blogs coming out, you know, as, as people get them to me. We have a great team of writers that we're, you know, assembling here and, and, and still working with. So It's like the Avengers. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. It's like the Avengers. It's good stuff. There was a really good one on uh, Joey Votto uh, that, that is the last one that's up there uh, from the other day. So that's good stuff. All right. Elliot. Hey. Back to you. Back to me. Hey, Paul. Hey. Uh, do, do we have a meeting today? I hate this game. Why do you hate it so much? Because I know I Reed looks at me with that stare of his, and it's a beautiful stare. I mean, just can we get a camera shot on that stare? Just look at this stare. I mean, it's so beautiful. That's the Hamiltonian stare. Like that guy with the lawnmower that cuts the street. That guy is staring at me with those beautiful eyes there. Look at that. I mean, those those legs are absurd. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing with those shorts? All right. But anyway, all right. They're not called longs, Elliot. They're not called longs. That's right. So at this point, I'm going to transition. We're going to get a little silly. I know I'm a silly person. I know everybody wants to talk about sports. This is kind of sports related. Last night, I texted everybody here. I said, be prepared. We're going to go over some favorite foods, favorite restaurants from GAPP. A little inside baseball. This was going to be my skit when I auditioned for Chatterbox Idol. I don't know if you heard. I won that uh, unofficially. Where's your trophy? Unfortunately, it's not existent. It's just okay. not there. So, so did you really win? No, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't. But right now, you get paid. We are gonna rank. That's you, your you trophy. Have a job. Read, read. Hang up one of your. I'm not read. Hang up one read, of your pay stubs. Read, read. <laughs> I'm not in this for the money. I'm in it for the awards. All right, we'll trade. And the accolades. We'll trade. I'm just trying to be the best there ever was. I'm. You think I wake up in the morning and I want a dollar bill? No. If, if last night was evident of anything, it's that I couldn't use money less. I couldn't need it any less. I burned money so fast last night. I mean, I've no, I mean, it was just a disgrace. I, I got home last night and I almost and I almost cried. That's well, how, that's how bad to be last fair, night was. So to be Paul, fair, not to get back on like the 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 gambling, the gambling train, but just it was real a chat quick, favorite. Yeah. Just, just, yeah, yeah, it hits with the chat real hard. So uh, so I was walking when we were coming back from dinner. We were walking back through, and if you've been to Lawrenceburg, you know that the hallway to get back to the table games is extremely long. Well, there was a couple standing right in the middle of the hallway. I always play six and twenty-two. Those are my numbers. I play six and twenty-two every single time I play roulette. Those are my numbers. I'm walking past this couple, and I look at the woman, and I say, hi, give me a number. And I just keep walking, and she goes, 28. I said, okay. And then as we get down the hallway, the guy yells back at us, and he goes, 26, it's my birthday tomorrow. I said, okay, the vibes are high. I only had two chips left, so I could only put one on one and one on the other. And I look at Elliot and Jacob, or uh, Elliot and Casey, Jacob was gone, and I say, if six or 22 hit, I'm going to be a puddle. I put it on 26, I put it on 28. And 22 hit. And I just melted to the ground. Melted to the ground. It was brutal. Melted was, to the ground. He, he, he hit me on the shoulder. And he, his mouth was just open for about three minutes. Then we went over to the blackjack this table. This was worse. We went over to the blackjack table to end the night. I was down to minimal funds. So <laughs> I was down to zero. And I was just Venmoing Paul some money to give me some chips so I can put $10 on. We hit nine side bets. Well, the worst was we that... We hit nine. Casey and I didn't have enough funds to put anything... Because Casey and I have been betting side bets all night. Casey won a big one earlier. I hit triple twos, which, as you know, that pays 180 to one, I think. I think trips is 180 to one. I didn't have anything on it. The, 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 worst, the worst was that I, I gave Elliot, I think, five chips. I think it was 25 bucks. 
I gave you five chips and I said, look, Elliot, you've been playing the side bet all night. Just take one of those chips off the stack and put them on the side bet. I said, come on, do it right on this hand. Come on. And you said, no, 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 because I'm going to feel stupid when I win the, re the real hand and I could have kept playing blackjack for longer. You would have won 450. It, you hit trips. You would have won 450. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's just I've, brutal. I've told this about Paul. I've told this to Paul a couple times now. Paul is the most unlucky gambler ever because every time Paul has a gambling store, he was this close to it. Didn't to I tell you guys this? And how many times when we were playing roulette was I was I in and out? You guys saw yeah. it because I yeah. told you that this was going to happen. I said, I'm going to walk in tomorrow. I'm going to tell you these stories. And Rita's going to say how close I was on everything. So I said, I want you guys to watch how close I am on everything. Three different times it bounced in my number and bounced into the next one. Just yep. brutal. Can't yeah. confirm. And Jacob, Jacob, your night last night, man. I mean, you. Well, showed, that was just tough luck. You showed up and you lost, and you lost hard. I did. And you lost consistently. And there was no, like sometimes you win a little bit, just like a couple hands, couple somethings. You just lost. I had a grand time. Yeah, I bet you did. I mean, a you grand just. Time. I can't express how much of a loser Jacob was last night. Just loss after loss after loss. But it was a good time. Red was, money line and two. Pitch velocity overs. There we go. I, I had the under and the Reds uh, money line. Betford Sports. Bet. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, right now, we're going to do something. I texted everybody last night. I said, we're going to rank some foods, rank some options at Great American Ballpark. Read this morning about, I don't know, 15 minutes before the show. He says, Elliot, what are we going to talk about today? I sent a whole game plan of the show. I sent everybody come prepared with something. He looks at me and says, oh. I'm, I'm ready to rock. He, he looked at, well, yeah, you've had an hour and a half now. But I, I'm just saying, now it's just like, I mean, listen, last, the disrespect I received last night I, was listen, brutal. Listen, listen, you, you made a grave mistake. You text me after 11 o'clock, the old man on the show here, he's asleep. All right. I'm asleep. You guys you guys send me texts sometimes or, or TikToks at like 1.30 in the morning. I'm That's like, right. what, are you, what are you guys doing? What are you I don't guys think doing? I've gone to bed before 1.30 in like a year. That is insane. Yeah. You got you guys t talk about how you guys on the weekend wake up at noon. I'm like, what is going on? Get the same amount of sleep. When I worked, <laughs> yeah. when I worked, when I worked for that other company that I worked at, I was getting home at night around 1:30, 2 a.m. every night. So at that point, I was staying up till 4 a.m., 5 a.m. And the sleep schedule is just brutal because then on Saturdays, so that's during the weekdays. On Saturdays, I had to get up at 4 a.m., which means I have to wake up at 3 a.m. So my schedule has been so terrible until I got here. I've been starting to go to bed consistently around midnight. I try to go – sometimes I've been going to bed around 1 a.m. But, man, sleep schedule is a brutal thing. All right, here we go. We're going to rank GABP stuff, GABP foods. I'm going to go through my top five first, and we'll go around the room. Again, this is – you can rank a restaurant or a food item. It's both. Okay. You can go by value. You can, you can go by the taste. Okay. Here we go. There's not that many options. So there's I, not. I assume there's going to be a lot of repeats. There is. Okay. There is. Yeah. But here we go. Number five, fry box. Listen, I'm not going to put marshmallows on a French fry. I'm not going to do it. But if you, if you know you're sitting on the seats, you're like, all right, what can I go down with this beer? You go to the fry box, you get an order of fries, maybe a little buffalo chicken. You get whatever you want. You get the fries. I think it's a, very, it's a top five option at the ballpark. I don't think it always hits. I think some of the fries are stale. That's a Bobby C special. He uses them from last year. But I, think, I do think it has a good taste. Number four, number four, La Rosa's. I am a firm believer that La Rosa's is not good outside of like special events. GABP, great. La Rosa's is the best of all time at GABP. It's crisp. It's good. There's not too much sauce. You go to a La Rosa's like down the street. Ours is Delhi. We go to La Rosa's. They pile it in sauce. The cheese is off after the first bite. The They're crust, not very good. The crust is bad. It's crisp. It's better at GABP. That's my number four. That's my number four. Number three, Penn Station. Penn Station has great value. Penn Station, you, you get 
I would argue the best value at the ballpark. I'd agree too. You get like a, a sandwich and fries for ten dollars or don't something steal, like that. Don't steal my bit. All right. Don't well, steal my bit. That's I, I agree with it though. You get it both for for like ten dollars. You and we'll get to my number two here in a second. But it's there's some items there that are way overpriced. And you look at Penn Station, you're like, all right, I can get a lot of food here for only $10. That's pretty good. Penn Station, number two. Number one, or excuse me, number three. Number two, an all-beef hot dog. In 2020, I am convinced something happened with the, with, the, with the food production at GABP. Bob Castellini and Phil Castellini went to the cooks, went to the chefs, and they said, we're going to shrink every hot dog we sell by about three inches. The 2021 hot dogs were the worst I've ever tasted. They were disgusting. They were unedible. Terrible. That was a Bobby C special. He shrunk all my hot dogs. Now, this year, he has the same terrible hot dogs as the regular hot dog, but you can upgrade for $1.50 further. I think the price is $7.79. Great price there by Bobby C. You get it at $7.79, you get an all-beef hot dog. It's a phenomenal hot dog. It's a good hot dog. I, I give Bobby C credit, even though I'm paying $10 for a singular hot dog. It tastes good. When you go to a ball game, I've told all these guys, I have to eat a hot dog. Zach Freeze knows this. When he goes to an event and I'm not at, I said, how good was the hot dog? I just have to eat it. Can we talk about how you have disgust yeah. for a bologna sandwich? But you rant and rave about how much you love a hot dog. You understand meat. those things are the same thing, right? I don't do wet things. I don't eat things that a cat can eat. And that's gross. If you ever open a bologna package, it's just wet and slimy and it's disgusting. It makes me, it makes me physically ill. If like, you, I'll, I'll if you get literally any meat from... From the grocery, it's going to be moist. Yeah, but not that. Those are prepackaged. That was sent from, like, China. I, I, I can't do it. You get honey uh, ham, it's going to be moist. You get turkey like, breast, it's going to be moist. I don't like but, certain kinds of ham. If you get a hot dog, a, a, a spoiler alert, hot spoiler alert, real wet. if you get an Oscar Mayer weenie and you pull it out of the package, <laughs> it's going to be a moist little weenie. It's dripping. Listen, I know about... You're bulling. I'm bulling right now. I know about wet weenies, and listen... I, I, I don't think that hot dog is as bad as a bologna, whatever. A, bolo, a, a bologna pack. And you just flop it around like there. I, don't, I can't do it. You're not all, Big Bracken right now, Elliot. All, what was that? You're not Big Bracken right now. You're bullying, Big Bracken. What are these words? I don't understand the language here. There's a language barrier on this side of the room. They think they're cooler than me. All right. Just a cool kid's table over here. Uh, all right. My number one, best value in the ballpark. This might be a hot take because sometimes it's not always that good. But for $6, you can get a giant tub of popcorn. That's my, that's my go-to. You can get a giant tub of popcorn, my number one. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of food options there. You can get a hot dog for $10. You can get, for $1.50 less, a tub of popcorn that lasts you the entire game. That's my number one food item at a ballpark at GABP. Go get it. What say you? Jake, Jake, that's too much popcorn for any one man to eat. But that's what I'm saying. That's great value. But that, $6. They're, like, they're playing a game with you. They're like, oh, $6. It's great value. You're eating half of it. That's fine. That's fine. But you have so the option. So is it really that great of a value? Yeah, but you have the option to eat more. That's the thing. The illusion of choice, Elliot. Correct. I'll get into my top five now, starting at number five, which is Fry Box. I, I love the buffalo chicken fries. I think it's a great meal. You said the fries are sometimes soggy. That is true, but if you eat it quick and the sauce can't really get into the fries, it's okay. You got to scarf it down, but it's okay. Number four, I'm going Porkopolis. The classic dogs, brats, mets, you know, they're, they're good. It's a, it's a, solid, it's a solid, solid way to go. Not to mention, Porkopolis is the host to my favorite thing at Ooh. a Reds ball game, the 3-2-1 on a Tuesday night. Yes. There is nothing better than nine $3 beers and nine innings of baseball. Number three, 50 West. 50 West, 
over there on the first baseline, that is the best burger in the ballpark. This was the replacement of Frisch's. Yeah, it was. Okay. It was 50 West. Their burger is it and fries. like is it 50 West? Like the breweries, 50 yes, West. Like they yes. have that burger stand. They at 50? Have, yes. Yeah. And they have 50 That's a great West burger. Beers, I did not are, know that. Which are better than. You oh know, my God! Punchy in the IPA. Yeah. 50, 50 West is incredible. Number two is Skyline. You can't go wrong with Skyline. I love Skyline. I eat Skyline at every Reds game I go to. Number one is my favorite food item at the restaurant. It's the helmet nacho stand. You can't have a frown on your face when you're digging into a helmet nacho. Ooh. All right, all right. Let me, let me, okay. Do let you me put it on your head after it's done? If I you do. don't, yeah, I, do. I don't trust you. Yeah, I do. I don't even wash it out either. No, get that so, cheese in my hair. Okay, so that's good. But, like, the first, like, I would say 25 chips are great. The bottom of that is disgusting. It's you're gonna the need... exact same as the popcorn. You only need half of it. Okay, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. But I'm just saying the bottom is just molten microwaved cheese on soggy chips. It gets bad at the end. But you get to hold a helmet. That's true. Jacob, if you go on a date with a girl to a Great American Ballpark and you get the nachos and she's scarfing down too many of the nachos, too much of the Well, meat, I'm going to go tell the waiter. I'm going to have the waiter come over. You can't <laughs> share nachos. Right. It's, share it's a rule at Great American yeah, it's Ballpark. Rule, yeah, it's a rule at the ballpark. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's a good top five. My top five, it, there's a lot of value. It's mostly value. Number five, coming in number five, I've got the Phyoptics deck. I know we're talking food and stuff like that, but if you buy an $18 ticket to the Phyoptics deck, you get it loaded with an $11, $10 voucher on your ticket. So you're paying $7 to get in the place, and then you're already going to spend it. That gets you a beer. You get a beer and a seat for $18. Coming in at number four, you guys already alluded to it. I brought this up on the show before. The Penn Station deal, the sandwich and fries is $11.75, or at least it was two years ago the last time I got it. That is, without a doubt, the best value that you can get at the stadium. Six-inch sandwich and fries, $11.75. You can't do that unless it's three two one nine. Coming in at number three, I think the fry box is great. Like the buffalo chicken fries are fantastic. You always laugh about the marshmallow fries. I'm not getting the marshmallow fries. I ain't getting that. Every place that sells food has something goofy on the menu. I ain't getting it. Give me the marshmallow. Give me the barbecue fries. Give me the uh, buffalo chicken fries. Coming in at number two, it's the hybrid. It's the fan favorite. It's the Sky Rosa. If you haven't had a Sky Rosa, it is absolutely immaculate. You are correct. I am. I think there's a weird divisiveness about La Rosas in this city. Some people absolutely hate it. Some people love it. I'm in the part that absolutely loves it. But it is unequivocally better at festivals, at the Reds game, and at KI. You put that with the Skyline uh, cheese coney. Fantastic. Number one, it's the pregame $5 beers. I've got to go to the Garden Bar and get the $5 beers, or I'm going to the Budweiser deck outside of the stadium that you can then bring in for $5. Okay. Absolutely so I, fantastic. So I didn't know we were doing things that were outside of the stadium. Otherwise, I would have picked like Jeff Ruby's or stuff like that. No, Garden Bar's inside the stadium. It's in the stadium. It's in the stadium. You have to scan your ticket to get there. And, and well, the, you're right about the Budweiser um, Clydesdale thing. That is outside the stadium. It's at the box office, but it's like you're, you're giving money to the Reds. Like it's okay. on All Reds right. property. All right. Are you, so I know Casey is. Are you uh, inside the stadium pregame, not Banks? It depends. I always go to the stretch. Okay. I, always get, I like the stretch. I, I always get one pint at the stretch, and then I go in. I'm a tin roof guy. I can't turn down that 25-ouncer. Mm. Paul. All right. Uh, I cannot remember the last time I have eaten anything at Great American Ballpark, so I will, uh, I'll try this. Uh, I'm a cotton candy guy. I love cotton candy. I love cotton candy. All right. This sucks already. I mean, love bad. cotton candy. This sucks that's already. Real bad. I, was, I mean, this, I mean, that wasn't a serious thing. Are you a child? That wait. wasn't serious. Oh, just, just wait. Brother, I, I can't, I'm telling you, I do not eat at the ballpark. I don't do it. It's too expensive. 
Second one's a lemonade freeze on a hot day. One of those. No, that like, one's good. That's, that's a good option. Uh, lemon chill. Lemon chill. Lemon lemon chills the are lemon good. Ch- I couldn't remember what the actual name of it was. Third one's a hot dog. We've already talked about that. Second one, uh, I don't know. I don't think this is what you said, Elliot. Caramel corn. I like the caramel corn better than the popcorn. The caramel corn stands. They're seven dollars, I think. Uh, they're at the stand right when you walk in the main gate over to the left. They're massive. I don't think I ever get through like a third of a bag of one, but Lizzie always gets them. And then we have a, a ton left over later. And then the first one, similar to uh, what Reed was saying. So I never eat Skyline at the ballpark. I think Skyline at the ballpark is terrible. I think it's not authentic. I don't like it. I never eat it there. I think it's cold. Don't like it. I do like La Rosa's there, and I don't like La Rosa's elsewhere. So if I'm hungry and I'm really hungry or if I'm drinking too much and I need something to eat, I'm going to get a La Rosa's, uh, a slice of La Rosa's. That's what I'm getting. All right. I like that. Otherwise, yes, I never eat at the ballpark. I'll have some beers. Casey, I'm not going to lie. I know you didn't do it, but my, just the, the, com- the comedian of my brain's going right now. If you would have put Geno Smith at three in this list, you would have killed me. <laughs> it would have it it destroyed this room. It would have played so well. But go ahead. Top five. Top five. I uh, got fry box at five. Then I got the $25 eat anything. Because I, Ooh. too, also really enjoy having lots of popcorn or just peanuts in general. Like, just going back and getting more and more and more, having that option is great. Quick I, question, Casey. When you get peanuts at the stadium, are, you seem like you're conscious on, when sh- on where those shells go. You're not Mark Mouse in it and just dropping the shells right where you sit, or no, are you? I, I do. I do drop them. Okay. Good, great. Good, great. Good. Great. I would have, like, that, that would have... The litmus real, test for being a great person would have just gone way through the yeah. roof if you actually, if you actually took care of your shells. Because I don't think anybody does. You no. make you make life real hard for some of us, Casey. Sorry about but that. Keep going. <laughs> uh, I cheated and said anything at the banks because I will go to the banks and have like nachos at. Condados. Uh, no, yeah, Condados. Condados um, is great. Condados gave me food poisoning. I'll never go back. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's a tough one to miss. Oh, yeah, food poisoning. Really Places where you get food poisoning and you never go back. Like, there is a certain list of those restaurants, and you just, it's tough. And you can't Yeah, like, it, it's, it's it, warps, it warps your brain. Yeah. Like, I cannot eat this. I anymore. got it one time at, a sky, at the Skyline by Xavier. And that was that took me a long time to get over that to be able to go back to that. But I was like, I can't, I can't live my life and not be back at this one. But yeah, that was that was bad. Go ahead. Yeah, and then Sky Rosa and Beer Garden. Okay. Okay. I still right. No love Sky for Rosa. the new Chick Fil A. The whole room. Chick Fil A is a scam. No Bobby love. C knew what he was doing. He knew when he brought that Chick Fil A and he was bringing, he was charging seventeen fifty for a sandwich. That's fifty dollar chicken Sammy, and they're sold out by the third inning. He knew it. He knew it. He knew it. That guy's a crook. All right, respectfully. Uh, uh, has anybody ever gotten the graders? Does any like has no. anybody in this room ever gone yeah. to that graders? On three, two, one. No, well, I no, no, no. I'm talking. They have the graders stand yeah. right there by the first base or the third base side. They have a, no. they have like soft serve there in the, in the mini helmet. I get that. Okay, yeah. but, they, but you could get you uh, like get a that. scoop yeah. of no. graders are we, ice cream. Are we are we pro, are we pro soft serve or, or or hand scooped in this office? Soft serve. Soft serve. I, I have a mood for both. Yeah, I can me do too. Either. But they're so either. different. They are different. I'm a yeah. hand scoop guy because just because it's got more flavor. Like soft serve yeah. comes in three flavors. Yeah. Speaking of things that nobody's ever gone to at GABP, Jacob, I think, alluded to. Who's going to the Cheeto-flavored whatever? I have. Oh, there yeah. Is, so I walk in and out of that little walk-in whatever. Yeah. There's that Cheeto stand right there making that che- hot Cheeto popcorn. And there's always a worker probably making... 15 bucks an hour standing right there. <laughs> and there's not a soul 
Not one soul interacts with them. That, that, that area is strictly used to set beers on while you pay for yes. your other beers. No, no one buys, no one even thinks about buying the Flaming Hot Cheetos popcorn. No, none of you, it didn't cross any of your mind to put that in your top five. If we expanded it to a top ten, it wouldn't even get close. I've never even seen that stand. No, it swirls. It's a joke. It it's just swirls. Joke. and it, it, it just, I, don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but you'll, you'll see it when you see it, and it's just like nobody's there, but there's still like five workers behind the desk. It's bright orange. Just begging for somebody <laughs> to get some of the most foul popcorn they've ever eaten in their entire life. The, the frozen drink stand next to it, also very low patronage. Yep. Mariana, yep. Mariana's a... I mean, they just reel her in with anything frozen. No, no. I mean, they, they, they put the Nightcrawler on the hook, and she's just oh, no. reeled in. I'm a, I, I kind of agree with her. If it's frozen, if there's a little bit of chillness, a little ice, just a little bit of ice. If it's cool, if it's really cold, I'm going to drink it. I'm gonna, I really am. I like, I like that. The, what, is, what is that? Frost House. Is, is that what that is? Yeah. God, they're just so expensive, though. They're, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's $16 or whatever. Listen, like eight ounces. Bobby C. Yeah. knows how to sell now. Bobby C knows what he's doing down there with those prices. He should, he should keep selling. He's good at it. Speaking of, you know, 16 bucks at, the, at Great American Ballpark for a frozen drink. I told you guys about that frost place here in Hamilton. It's like 16 yeah. bucks. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, it's we're Hamiltucky. You gotta, you gotta cut that in half. Mm. Yeah, that's brutal. That's brutal. But all right, so I'm gonna transition here. We're gonna go to do a quick Reds lineup. We haven't talked sports in a second. We're gonna break down this lineup. Ellie De La Cruz still one. T.J. Friedel two. Matt McClain three. Matt McClain playing shortstop again. Fraley in left field at four. Jonathan India, my guy, batting fifth, second base. Joey Votto DHing, six. Encarnacion Strand at first base, seven. Tyler Stevenson, eight, and he's playing catcher. And uh, right field, Will Benson. And that's an off day for Spencer Steer, which we don't see very often. That's correct. He needs it. I think, I think it's a good lineup. I think the Reds have a chance today. I don't, again, I expect a low number. We can do, we can do some Betford right now if you guys want. And then I we'll have a bet. I, I have a chair. Okay, I, have, okay, I have a okay. hammer. All right, all right, all right. So let's get let's do let's do and this. We have a wheel of lunch. We're gonna, yeah, we have a wheel of lunch. So let's do Bedford first. Okay. So let's let's go in the vault. Ahead, Thank you, Casey. Casey. Do we not think this lineup would be better without Joey Votto in it? I'm sorry. Put, D, uh, put CES at DH and Spencer Steer at first base. I mean, come on. We're at the end of the show. Can we not get into this? Okay. Have some respect for time. Okay. Reed wants to get out of here early. <laughs> is somebody going to go? Is somebody going to go? Is somebody going to go? For pick, I, already, I gave the Reds money line. I'm already okay. locked in. Plus 115. Okay. It was what I got it at, at least. Okay, the, popu the popular line, we, we, we talked about Betfred normally uh, does their algorithms later in the day for, for props, but... When it comes on, I'm seeing it on um, across a couple of different books, and I'm waiting for it to come on Betfred so I can hammer it. I've never liked a pick more than this in baseball this year. This year, I have not liked a pick more than the one I'm about to give out right now. Wait, hammer it. Put your next. Season? Put your mortgage on it. Oh my. Lance oh my. Lynn under six and a half Ks today against the Chicago Cubs. You feel that good? Plus one hundred. You feel that good? Even money. Mister Strikeouts, Lance Lynn. Mr. Strikeouts. I mean, dude, dude doesn't strike that many people out. He's the only pitcher this year with a 14 strikeout game, 15 strikeout game, and 16 strikeout game. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, God. Gross. Take the <laughs> under. <laughs> I'm going to take the uh, Orioles to win this series in uh, Philadelphia. They won the first game, lost the second game, both one-run games. I'm going to take the Orioles. Yeah, I'm going to take under nine in the Reds-Brewers. Minus 120 right now. 
I'm Bedford Sports. I think the Reds and uh, Brewers never go over. Very rarely will it happen, unless it's Dreamweaver Day, of course. But today on Ben Lively Day, I expect low scoring. Final score of 4-3, Reds. Uh, so here's my logic. Uh, I'm going to bet oh, again the Joey Votto under on total bases. It's at plus 130 again. And it's a, it's a win-win for me. If he doesn't do it, <laughs> yeah, I win I money. Saying. And if he does do it, then that's great because it just means that he's uh, getting was contributing to, to the team. Casey's exactly. trying to cement Votto's legacy with these picks right now. Go ahead, Paul. Red's money line. You want me to give it again? Yeah, please. Red's money line plus one fifteen. Thanks. Hey, Paul, do you have a pick today? Paul, do you? Have well, a pick? I, I think I'm going with the Reds. Yeah. All right. I feel getting, pretty good about the Reds. Paul, are you getting married? Congratulations. All right, Casey. Hey, it's, time, it's time for wheel of lunch. I appreciate it's it. No way. Well, well, we got the cherry on top. Oh, cherry on top. And Sorry. this is uh, so we don't we don't talk politics on this show. No. Never. I have absolutely no concept what the context of this tweet is. This but, what? This X. Oh, this Z. Yeah, yeah. Z. Don't know what this Z is, but you got to read the caption to this. This is this is some House representative that was going on strike for something. He ends his thirst strike. The the caption says representative. I, I can't even read that name from here. Ends his thirst strike after eight hours without food or water on the House steps. So he just got a night of sleep. That's he not showed a up long and, time. He got it. He, he got a night of sleep and he showed up and he guzzled a glass. <laughs> What is this? That's preposterous. Eight hours. <laughs> you, you, if you're, if you're going to post about your strike, it has to reach double digits. It Paul does. went 24 years without drinking water. This guy went eight hours. What are we doing? I don't know what he's protesting, and I don't know what his cause is, so it could be a very good cause. I don't want to knock the guy. We are but not publicize, the cause. I have, no, I have absolutely no idea what this guy was protesting. But publicizing an eight-hour thirst strike is beyond bananas. Unless he has some sort of medical history that this was a big deal for him. Which it, looks could like also he's, it looks like he's protesting for water breaks. Yeah, and he, looks like water breaks. Wait, is that for real? Shouldn't you yeah. drink more water? To Water breaks are a basic right. I'm going to take a hard stance against water breaks. Oh, man. Water is anti-big hydration. Right. You can't drink water while working. I got to do some digging into You got to make some money. John Brandon would have hired you real quick. (laughs) 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 Making guys sprint up and down the court like it's their job, man. No water breaks. Bring out the heart heart rate monitor. Let's get this guy some potty water, baby. If you ever played football, you heard a football coach yell at one time, water's for the weak. I was like, no, water's for every living being Ever. My, my eighth grade football coach brought salt tablets for us 14-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> he said, if you're too hydrated, you'll be soft. That stuck with me. <laughs> Hasn't drank water since. Hasn't drank water since. All right. We'll bring out a wheel of lunch. And I'm going to take this time real quick. Thank you guys for putting up with me today. I was put uh, – yesterday, uh, Reed and Paul and Casey and, and Jacob, they said – you know, give it a try. Come out and host the show, host Tom Brenneman's show. I hope I was okay today. I hope I, I at least was entertaining. If not, uh, just, you know, something. So, brought you something today. We did a good show today. Zach helped. Zach helped. My buddy Zach, that's my guy. Our buddy Zach. I, our but well, not yours. The I, show. I, 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 think, I, I think, you know, I think we did a good show today. I thought we did okay. Are you scared that Zach's going to become closer to us than you? Uh, He'll never be close to you. You're a troll and a Cubs fan. You don't think Reed would just kindle a, a wonderful relationship? I, yeah, with you're Zach right. I could not just to make you mad. Yeah. I could. I could not imagine Zach being close friends with anyone that just makes jokes all the time. Could not imagine. <laughs> yeah. All right, we need suggestions here. I gave Chipotle. Casual pint. Jeff Ruby's. 
Are we actually putting any of those on there? Casual pint. Put it on there. Jeff Rubis is in the chat. I'm just doing what the people want. Put Jeff Rupees on there, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? And I see Sonic in there. Let's put that in if there. If it's Jeff Rupees, we'll just go to Kroger and get a bunch of fillets. Eat them raw. Texas Roadhouse. All right, Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> Texas that, Roadhouse is not, not open. open. No, 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 no. It's not open. Don't put that on it's there. It's only open on Friday? Yeah, it's only open for lunch on Friday. I see a Pizza Hut and a Waffle House. Am I putting that on there? Yikes. Hothead? Put Waffle House. Put Waffle House. Waffle House, Waffle House is great. Waffle House is good. Put Wingstop, Casey. Wingstop. So we need Wingstop to win one time. I love Wingstop. God, dude. Wingstop hits. I feel like we've never put Wendy's on this. Put Wendy's on. Paul, Paul took a Wendy's hard. Oh, I took a hard stance against, against this, Dave this Wendy's. I didn't realize we had another Wendy's. Oh, are there gremlins in there? <laughs> are you anti-Dave Thomas, Paul? <laughs> what? He's, he's are you anti-Dave Thomas? Are you against Dave Thomas? I don't have a take on Dave Thomas. Okay. Am I supposed to be? I mean, you're I mean are you pro-Ohio or anti-Ohio? Put hey, Wendy's Casey. Is from Ohio? Casey. Is from Ohio? Oh, is it, yeah. I, I put don't casino. know anything about it. Put casino on there. Just put casino. Oh my god, please. <laughs> let's go back. I mean, let's get this up to 30 slices. Put Billy Yanks on there. What? No, it's not open. Not also open. not open. Why is it not open? It's, it's not until Friday Fridays. for lunch. Jocko's. What? It's only open for lunch on Fridays. What the hell is that? Why can't people <laughs> have lunch at Billy Yanks on a Tuesday? Not enough people that that that, that work in the downtown area All to right. support lunch. I think five we're days good. a week. This is brutal. Let's go to that frozen drink and DIY oh, we sushi. Got, we got one more. Not DIY sushi. Evan Maurer said crickets. Really? Oh, sushi Why burritos? are we putting Long John Silver's? Yes, KC. That's right. my guy. There we go. Here we go. Let's spin. They make a lots of good options. They make a Chipotle burrito for sushi. That's it. See you, Long John. Let's go. Yeah, that the was... only thing is we have about 15 more horrible <laughs> options. All right, here we go. Here we go, guys. Come on. I need Jeff Ruby's off there. <laughs> Reed's paying if we're going to Ruby's. That's true. Hothead. Hothead. No, jerseys? Oh, that's a killer. That's Jersey. Killer. That was the best option. That was the best option. Gone too soon. Never forgot. I could, I'll be honest. I could do a Chipotle. I, well, you could do a Chipotle every day. See a wing stop. Bye, that's buddy. Terrible. I mean, that's dead. <laughs> Bye, terrible. buddy. Smell ya. That's terrible. Challenge Paul to eat anywhere other than like three places. Impossible. Mm mm. <laughs> Guys, this is a bad wheel. This yeah. is a really bad, bad this one. This is getting bad fast. I mean, we're going to have an issue here. <laughs> Paul, you have another Chipotle on there, kind of. I don't know if I can do Sonic. I no. I Us eating lunch at Miami Valley Gaming is going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by Zebrazillionaire's hit yesterday. If anybody was paying attention, Zebra Zillionaire's hit. I don't know. Else? I, don't, I, I hit. Mouse, Mouse Millionaire's I hit. hit. I did not hit. I know oh. Casey lost because he was fading Votto. I lost. Casual punt. Oh, no. What is that? It's right around the corner. Hmm. We, we are slim here. Here we go. We are slim. I mean, do I say it? <laughs> say it. I mean, that, this is fine. I couldn't care less about where this lands. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Jeff Ruby's, that's brutal. Well, there, there are a couple options. There are. There are. I don't think Jeff Ruby's leaving was, was huge. Waffle House, no. It was never Waffle I House. I mean, Casino if, and Jocko and Sonic, what are we doing here, if, if If you guys had a bad taste for Hamilton already, going to Waffle House at 1230 on a Wednesday. Oh, brutal. I wanted to go back. Oh, my God, guys. Detrimental. Paul had some loose poker chips in his uh, pocket. 
Bologna kill. sandwich, says Mark. No, thank you. Kill for hot. Oh, no. This is wow, bad. this is a bad wheel. We needed Firehouse Golf. Fellas, we needed... We still have Wendy's. Wendy's we I, still have, I have hope for Wendy's. Hothead's good. Wendy's took away my grilled chicken sandwich. I'm pretty furious about that. Hothead's we good. have two and two, Hothead's in good. my opinion. And that's good. We get rid of this. I mean, this is good. All right, all right. If we right. can get to a Wendy's Hothead if we, meal, guys, wheel... Guys, we're going to, to Jocko's if it lands. Okay, all right. I don't believe you, but... <laughs> I don't know about that. Wendy's went. Oh no, it's Wendy's. I mean, this is bad. Get oh, up. This, get up. this is good for the cover. Get up. This get is, up. God. This is horrific. You got. I'm making you guys go to Jocko's. I don't know. What is Jocko's? It's fried chicken. Yeah. And, <laughs> and other stuff, right? I don't know where this is gonna land. I'm oh, like, I can't no, see the. Oh, it's in the middle. Tell. That's Jocko's. No. Oh, yes. No. He didn't spell it right, but yes. Chipotle, it is. <laughs> Respect the wheel, guys. Let's go to Chaco's. Let's go to Chaco's. Let's get some chicken. I guess. Fried chicken. No Wait, chance. you said it's a chicken place. Alex Wallace just told me to get the fish. I have questions. <laughs> it's chicken and it's chicken and seafood. Oh, chicken and fish. Those aren't in the same place. <laughs> no what chance. do you mean? Have you ever been to a KFC Long John oh. Silver's hybrid? And those aren't good. Yeah, those are I, great. Yeah. I mean, there's some intestinal damage that'll be had here. <laughs> I'm ordering fish. Speaking chips. of intestinal damage, too. Speaking of intestinal damage, let's get the chicken livers. No. If they have chicken liver oh, on the menu, I'm putting my foot down. They do have chicken. I'm putting my foot there. And gizzards. They have chicken gizzards, too. Oh, man. All right. All right. Guys, thank you for listening. This has been Off the Bench. I am not Tom Brenneman. I am Elliot Rearing. This is Reed Mouse. This is Jacob Tissett. This is Casey McAllister. And that's Polly Fishsticks. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll have Austin Elmore and Tracy tomorrow. One of us will be hosting. It'll be a mystery. We might spin a wheel for it. Uh, thank you guys very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.